Hello, and welcome to another episode of Chat. I'm one of the hosts, Tyler, along with Justin. What's up, everyone? All right, and we got uh, several guests with us today for a, another special episode. Uh, first up, we have B. Hello, everyone. And Nick. Hello. Robin. You ever notice how it's always a special episode? I feel like we're on Clone High. <sighs> And uh, Anthony from uh, Retro, Retro Roulette. Roulette. Sorry, I don't know why I blanked on that. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's only in my username on Discord that, you know, yeah. it's there all the time. Yeah, but it's new. It's, it's Retro okay. Roulette. Okay. I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's all right. It's I get it. I understand. <laughs> Anyways, go on. But yeah, today is a very special episode because, what? well, I should have this done by the time uh that uh, this is reality but uh today is Xenoblade Chronicles uh 10 year anniversary for North America. Woo. Yeah, 10 years since that game came out. Go figure. It's incredible. So it really it's it, where does the time go? Yeah, for real. So old, man. Honestly, lately it feels like we're doing a lot more special episodes than usual. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, there's a lot of anniversaries happening. Mm-hmm. True. Very true. That, well, I think that was kind of what I was getting at with that. Yeah. But yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> our our favorite games are getting old, guys. I know, and you're getting old too. Uh, mm-hmm. Yep. Well, uh, don't yeah. worry. I mean, Xenoblade Three is zero years old, so you're fine. So, but yeah, it's it's wild to think that it's been ten years since. Xenoblade Chronicles has come out in North America and all of the insanity leading up to its release. Yes. And it's it's kind of wild to think about like where the series went from back in 2009, 2010 and 2011 to today where it's like this big franchise, a lot of people are into it, a lot of people know about it. I mean, back in 2012 when this game was coming out, I knew a couple of people who were into it, mostly people who had played Xenosaga, but uh, a lot of people that I spoke to about Xenoblade, they're kind of just looking at me like, what are you doing? What's Xenoblade? Why am I going to play a game on the Wii? That's another thing. Like, Xenoblade Chronicles is an interesting title, because that was like one of the last major first-party titles by Nintendo. And I think the last first-party title to be released by Nintendo that was also that same year. It was um, the Kirby Collection. I think it was like Kirby Dream Collection or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, and that wasn't even a new game. That was a that was a re-release of some yeah. know, older titles. But actually, before we get too into it, this is Anthony's first real episode. That's right. What? The trivia. It was the trivia. That one wasn't time. a real episode. That was, episode. Yeah. That was, that was a yes. side episode. Yes. This what is, is a real Gatekeeping. It was a fake episode. It never actually happened. Well, this is going to be very relevant because Anthony's Zeno experience is kind of mostly related, relegated to Xenoblade, but. Xenoblade uh, one, yeah. I'm, I am planning on playing more of the games, and if I don't have time to play them, I'm going to watch them. Because one way or another, I'm I'm gonna get invest as invested in the series as the rest of you. Because I've been curious about the Zeno games for years, mm-hmm. and Xenoblade left a strong enough impression that I, I I feel comfortable getting invested in the rest of the series. Okay, well, would you like to give us your your exciting Zeno story that I think you just gave us? 
I was going to oh. say, I'm not sure how much you can say, but sure, say go for it. Oh, I don't care. <laughs> okay, so what would you, what, so where where should I start? Like, just start from the beginning of Xenoblade 1 and, like, and uh, just give you my impressions of everything? Or, or just, no, just talk about how you even heard of it. Uh, whatever okay. you want. That's really. literally, yeah, yeah, just like. Start on, start on the day you were born, perhaps? Yeah, um, yeah right? Or in the hospital. years ago, um, there was a young lad who was going into his uh, early 20s. His name was Anthony, and um, he had a friend named Mike. And Mike uh, one day mentioned to me that there was this, you know, game that was coming out that he was very excited for called Xenoblade Chronicles. And I asked him about it and he explained it to me and he's, you know, told me about Operation Rainfall and all the hype surrounding this game and how big of a deal it was that, you know, it, it was actually coming and that Nintendo listened to its fans for once in its fucking life. Um, and, uh, uh, he was really excited about it and, I said, oh, that's that's cool. Um, you know, what what's the gameplay like? And then he looked at me with a very bitter look on his face because he knew what I knew and that the gameplay was not going to appeal to me. So I never picked it up, never touched it, didn't think about it until years down the line until I met Justin. And Justin told me that he wrote for Operation Rainfall. And I'm I was still right, but yes. Pretty I w- oh yeah, that's right. You still do right. You um, but yeah, you 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 worked with Operation Rainfall, and I uh, I was into Operation Moonfall, which was inspired by Operation Rainfall because Majora's Mask is my favorite game. Oh yes, and uh, Moonfall was a pro- was a project or a petition to get Nintendo to bring. Uh, Majora's Mask to the 3DS, and that was entirely unnecessary, because apparently that had been the plan from the start. They just didn't like to tell anybody these things. And, um... Yeah, so, uh... After I met Justin, I... Um... You know, I we, we developed this really strong friendship, and one of the things I like doing with, with close friends is I like to play games that mean things to them. Aww. It's just to, you know, see if I can get it. And Zeno, Justin, you had told me that Xenoblade was a game that had significantly impacted and changed your life. And I'm sure you'll get into that story eventually. But, um, you know, after you told me that, I became very, very curious. And the definitive edition came out. And I was like, all right, you know what? You know, Betsy picked it up. My wife, Betsy, she picked it up for the 3DS and I took a look at it. And my my initial impression was, Jesus Christ, this game is ugly as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then Definitive Edition came out and I was like, well, my my one uh, gripe with the game, uh, other than the the combat system, being that the game looked like, you know, visual vomit. was addressed with definitive edition. So it, you know, things being much more palatable to me now, I picked it up. Uh, and, Oh, actually Justin let me a spare copy of his actually. And, uh, and I played it and I, I really liked it. I, I would say that I would probably have enjoyed my experience a little bit more if I wasn't bum rushing it. I've got an insane backlog of games, so I wanted to try and get through it as quickly as I could. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also 
like is imposing this challenge on myself to not drop to casual mode despite the game's insistence that the enemies were too strong for me. <laughs> Every yep. five seconds, it was enemies too strong for the real baby gamer, and I was like, easy mode. I was like, like internally like boiling at the every time it asked me that because like it it literally shows up every other death it, it'll it'll prompt you for that i'm gonna say so, also blame nintendo there. and so I, that that caused caused my blood to boil but i was really enjoying the story i um the gameplay is is kind of like the way i interpret the gameplay is it's kind of like if you took an mmorpg's combat system and you put it in a single player game it's very similar to final fantasy 12s um from what I had seen of that game. And I, uh, I, that's, that's not my preferred type of combat system, but I got used to it and I adapted to it. And, uh, I've, I've decided that like, because I enjoyed the story as much as I did, that I could probably get through the rest of the series, but the, I mean, are we allowed to talk spoilers on this or like? Yeah, it's, it's going to happen. Okay. Don't worry. Oh well, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it went it went in direction in in certain directions that like I would have never expected. Um, I somehow managed to remain ninety nine point nine percent unspoiled uh, for most of the game. Um, the one major spoiler that you know got ruined for me by uh super smash brothers was the uh pre the existence of hyper metal fiora and um that uh and that you know she she doesn't get shishka she doesn't actually die when she gets shishka bobbed in the in the opening act of the game um but shulk actually like being zanza or like zanza having shulk's form um and uh and like the whole, you know, the, the, how, you know, a science experiment created the world and the Mechonis and the, and the Bionis and all that stuff. Like I, I didn't know any of that, or I didn't know about like Dixon actually like being like a big bad guy. Um, the only, you know, tip off that you really have is, is that one cutscene where he says he feels bad for deceiving the kids and. That was like where I I was like convinced that that something was up with that character, but um, I don't know why you're thinking entirely on just the uh, <laughs> on just like the main story. I I really liked the bright and colorful cast of characters. Um, everyone felt unique, and uh, I just I really enjoyed it. It was it was it was refreshing. It was it was something it was something that felt familiar yet new at the same time. So I'm very excited to pick up uh, Xenoblade 2. So you I haven't played have 2 now. yet? What? I'm sorry? Have you played 2 yet? I haven't started 2. I okay. only know right. it, I only know little things and things odds and ends about 2. Okay. Cuz at the end like of a, yeah, at the end of 1 cuz I played it later on. Um, something that happened that blew my mind. I'm not saying it. I'm not I'm not I'm not. I'm done. Um yeah. I don't think we're allowed to say that Xenoblade 2 exists. What? Uh, Xenoblade 2 is not real. Please stop making things up. Okay. Uh, Please continue. Sorry to interrupt. I was going to say. No, you're good. You're good. You're fine. But um, I really, I, I, like I said, I, 
Um, the but if there's one thing, if there's one thing about Xenoblade One that kind of like just took it over the edge for me, as far as like my appreciation goes for this game, it is the music, which was you know every every track is 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 a slapper. Um, especially like the night themes. Uh, but visually speaking, Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition, I that's the only version I played, has some of the most breathtaking visuals I have ever seen in my life. And I've been playing video games since I was two years old. Uh, I have never found myself stopping to just <laughs> play a game. Uh, sorry, not to play. Yeah, I'm obviously playing a game, but I've never like stopped myself just to like look at scenery in a game before, not even during Breath of the Wild. Like when I was playing Breath of the Wild, I'd, I'd be like noticing myself while while playing like, oh, this looks nice. Oh, this is pretty. Oh, wow. This is really beautiful. But Xenoblade Chronicles, um, in particular, the uh, the uh, Satoru Marsh at night and the Aerith Sea at night. Both of those made me just stop what I was doing and just completely took my breath away. And when I got to the Aerith Sea and I saw the the star shower um, at night, I (laughs) I've never gotten emotional just looking at scenery before, but that shit hit me so hard that like I actually found myself tearing up a little bit just because of like how beautiful it was that the music accompanying the the visual scenery with the with everything going on is just it was incredible and that I feel like is what monolith soft that's their true like like that 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 that's where they shine the brightest is their music and their their scenery. It's incredible. I have I've only seen, you know, out of context bits and pieces of Xenoblade 2 from when Justin was showing me and again, I know that I'm going to have my breath taken away in that in in those games because mm-hmm. from what he showed me in the second game, I was like, "Wow, this is really incredibly pretty." And um, I'm very excited to, to to see more, and I also know that the Saga games also have um, some pretty incredible imagery, especially for the time period that they were made in. So, um, overall, I would say that the thing that impressed me most about Xenoblade Chronicles was was the was the music and 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 the scenery. Um, the story was great. I really found the characters charming and endearing, and I'm I'm excited to to see more of the series, but uh, yeah, that that's that's my that's my Xenoblade story, and um, yeah, very nice. Yeah, thank you. I would sure. also say, like, on the point of the scenery, I think you will see this in later stuff when you go for it too. But uh, it goes, it's like it's a good testament to like how good they are at world building in general. Is that like mm. how? Well, not only that there is, like, at least an explanation for how the scenery takes shape, but, like, just 
the level of detail they go into um, in referencing like where this part of the map takes place in the world is really cool. Um, yeah. So like yeah. that's definitely a big thing too. Uh, I did want to ask Anthony something, if that's okay, really quick about uh, the Shoot. 3DS version that he mentioned, and that's that um, after you saw like in Definitive Edition the scale of the game, do you um, like? Yeah, it was running on a 3DS. Do you, do you um, even though you thought it was ugly on that? Like, do you think of it, it as like, a, a lot more impressive? 3DS. Do you think that of it is a lot more impressive now that you know the scale of it, or like just... the fact that they got a game as massive as Xenoblade Chronicles, even if it's the Wii edition, that they got a game that big on the new 3DS because that is, that was a thing. I have to I have to like call yeah, was that exclusive. because yeah. that that was a requirement to yeah. play that one. I think it might have been the. One it was people. one of the few. There's a couple others. There's like yeah, hand, there's like you three can count them on like one hand, I think. Yeah. Um, yep. But, you know, uh, I, 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 I hate to be that guy, but if, if that was the only way, if you could, if you can't afford a Switch and you had a 3D, new, a new 3DS, and that was the only way you could play it. Yes, better some Xenoblade than not. But when they call Definitive Edition Definitive, they mean it because mm-hmm. it. I feel like the 3DS and the Wii version kind of almost do the the game a disservice. And I'm not normally one to. I'm, I'm always gameplay and fun over graphics, but. My God, the definitive the, the definitive edition just it is a treat for the eyes, and um, I feel like the 3DS version shouldn't be the way you experience that game for the first time. If you if you are a Xenoblade addict and you gotta have it on the go, and it doesn't matter what the game looks like to you, then have it on the 3DS. Far be it for me to judge. I guess that's well said enough. I won't hit the eject button on you. (laughs) One of the more interesting things about about that on the 3DS, from my perspective, was when they released it on there, I noticed that Nintendo seemed to never really advertise it. Like, anytime I saw an ad for the new 3DS, they would be showing, like, Pokemon, Mario 3D Land, all these games that you could play on the regular 3DS, but but they would very rarely show Xenoblade. And I always thought to myself that, like, wouldn't you want to show the enhancements that the new 3DS has over the original one? Wouldn't you want to show that it's running this gigantic game? Mm-hmm. And yet, for whatever reason, it seemed like they didn't want to talk about that. Maybe it's and I always thought that was weird. Maybe it's because they knew they were going to do Definitive Edition. That, that would be my theory, anyway, on it. But my uh, 3DS version mm-hmm. was Possessed. Um it would randomly say that it ejected from the 3DS without me saving. So I got as far as I would, you know, go for progress, progress, and then it would say, mm-hmm. oh, eject, and I didn't save the game, so I'd have to go back to last save. <sighs> yeah. So I got as far as the, the giant spider in Tetra Cave, and and I'm like, nope, I'm done. I can't. I can't. Nope. Oh, that was all right, so... Yeah, oh. Wow, that's the Monado's power, all right. Okay, again, so... I- I'd have to I have to stress this. Graphics aren't everything in a video game, but Xenoblade and Monolith Soft are are two things where 
if you really want to appreciate something to the fullest ability to appreciate what each company, the company and the product are capable of, Definitive Edition is the way to go. It really is. Okay. What were you about to say, Justin? So I was going to say, all right, um, because we can talk about Definitive Edition. Let's go back in time a bit and let's try to look at this from the perspective of the late aughts, you know, around 2010, that time, like when the Wii was, the original Wii was relevant, right? So, yes. They released this trailer for a game called Monano, the the beginning of the world. Did did you guys see that trailer back in the day? I did not. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I did, I did see that. And I remember my initial impressions of it was, eh, like I didn't think too much of it. And, uh, I know the Wii was getting a bunch of action RPGs that weren't really reviewing too hot at the time. Even though I love the Wii, I was always looking for RPGs to play on the system because that of that generation was my favorite system. I know, very hot take with that one. The Wii was not a popular console at the time. No, it was not. And <laughs> people insulted you if you had a Wii. Mm-hmm. You don't know how many times I've, I've mentioned the Wii and like a game on the Wii and people be like, why would I want to play that? It's on the Wii. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like... Everyone um, had a Wii. Nobody. I, I kind of share your hot yeah. take. That was my favorite console of that generation too. Yeah. And yep. um, I got like when we were getting excited about Smash Brothers Brawl, the uh, the COD chads in the room were always uh, chastising us, saying, "Why do you play Nintendo? Isn't that for babies?" And I was yep. like, oh "Yeah, God, I remember that." Yeah. And then I was excited that it was going to have that little controller, like a remote control. Yeah. Remote. I was excited about that. I'm like, what? I thought that was cool. It doesn't look like a controller, but it's a controller. What? Yeah. I remember what really sold me on the Wii was the virtual console at the time yeah. when it announced that. I remember thinking that was the coolest thing. Like, oh my goodness. I could play like N64 games on this thing. I could play Super Nintendo games on this. And I remember like at the time, it, it's weird because today everybody talks about how much they want virtual console back. Yeah. But at the time, if I mentioned virtual console and this has happened, I'll, I'll mention it. And then everybody would be like, who the hell wants to play old games? Dude, I could just download an emulator. Why would I give Nintendo money for that? You know Dude, that's so stupid. hours awesome. I spent uh, playing Pokemon Snap on my Wii? Yeah. Well, that and, like, WiiWare, I think the place where the virtual yeah. console really, really got I me mean, was whenever my friend introduced me to, like, Sin and Punishment on there. It was like, oh, shit, this game is really cool. And we never yeah. tried this game before. Yeah, that was the coolest thing. They started bringing imports. Like, they had that. They had Rondo Blood on the, on the Wii. That was a huge one for me. I remember Star Parodier. Like it was cool that they had uh, Turbo Graphics games come on there because I didn't own a Turbo Graphics and I really didn't know yeah, much about it. True. So that was a way for me to experience some of those games, and, and that was ahead, awesome. Jumping ahead to uh, 2011, Skyward Sword came out where it showed the full capability of the Wiimote. Like you had to physically get up and swing your arm around to actually make Link. You know, yeah, it was like it was like them kind of um, perfecting what they started with Twilight Princess because like. That was a big deal at the time when Twilight Princess came out, but then shortly after, people were just like, oh, it's just a waggle Zelda. And then, you know, a lot of folks, I think, kind of shunned that game for a bit because of that. But yeah, it's it's interesting when you look at the Wii from that perspective, from that time period, because a lot of really good games were coming out for the Wii, but they were just getting overlooked by basically everybody mm-hmm. because a lot of people were saying this game this system isn't hd so why would i want to play this or right, like oh this is a 2d game why would i want to play this dude i'm not gonna play muramasa that game looks like trash you say that today people will jump down your throat and ratio you to high hell on twitter but back then that was 
100% a popular take. Wait, yeah. you actually heard somebody that told you Miramasa looked like trash? Oh, well, not for that game, but I mean, like, a lot of Wii games. They look like shit, is what they were saying. People would say that. Oh, yeah, yeah, they would say that about Wii games in general. I was just like, yeah. I didn't know anybody else who knew what the fuck Miramasa <laughs> I didn't, yeah, was. Yeah, I didn't know many people who knew who knew and, what Miramasa was either. I pre-ordered it. Well, I, didn't, I didn't pre-order it. I got it right at the launch. That's what I got. I, I got it right at launch, and too. The, I got a Wii at launch because I was mostly excited because it was... Unlike all the other systems around that time, it was backwards compatible with uh, GameCube games. Yeah, that was another reason why I got the Wii, because yeah. I didn't have a GameCube, so that was my way of catching up. I, I had a GameCube, and I got a Wii like pretty early on. I was still like big into the Nintendo stuff. I, that was around the time when I started branching out into like PlayStation stuff as well, mm-hmm. but it was a little bit... It was a few years later, because I got the Wii first, and then years later, I was like... The Wii is great, but there's a few other games I'm kind of interested in playing now that I've tried a few of my friends' like PlayStation 2 games, and so you know I, I kind of branched out there. But right. for me, that was also where I first started getting into RPGs that weren't like you know Pokemon or Paper Mario at all, and started feeling that I wanted to bran- wanted to branch out. And one of the biggest reasons was because of Xenoblade, just looking awesome, and early on. My big finding out about it was through Nintendo Power, which I got at the time. I remembered those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, was... I actually found and pulled up the um, the issue that it was first announced in because it was like after E3 and they'd had like, it was like the August issue of 2009. It was issue 244. And they just had like a really short little write up on that one that didn't tell me much, but it was like, the name sounded interesting because it was Monado beginning of the, of the world. I remember reading a little bit later, though, in a later Nintendo Power where they got more details on it about the Titans that it took place on. Yeah. And that was like a big selling point for me. Like, I want, I was looking for something that had like a big imaginative like world that I'd never seen anything like before. And just the idea of it taking place on the bodies of two Titans sounded awesome. And so. That salt that was like, yep, I gotta try this game out, you know. Absolutely, um, but that's yeah, I'll definitely give Xenoblade props for its setting because that is that is in, absolutely a uh, a a major a major creative point on the, of that game is that it's it, your world are the backs of two titans, and that's just incredible. I mean, no game has really done something all that similar that's is in the main line or in the the the, the mainstream as a Xenoblade is and um on that point actually I just wanted to express for a moment how happy I am that Nintendo has made uh Xenoblade a flagship series so let's get into that for a bit because yes. all right so you know they they reveal Monado beginning of the world and um I wish I dug up the article for this um, at the time, you know, I knew about this, but it wasn't really a game that was on my radar. And eventually I saw an article, I think it was on Solcanera. It was either Solcanera or Gamatsu. It was one of those sites where they announced that it is now going to be called Xenoblade. And that's when it got my interest because I was thinking to myself, like I, I, had, I had played Xenosaga around that time too. I was going through those games, and then I heard that. I had already played Gears. I did play Gears. I played Gears back in, like, middle school and high school. So when I heard it was going to be called Xenoblade, that's when I started paying attention. I was like, hold up. Is this a sequel? 
And I think that's the case for a lot of people. Like, I know a lot of people who said that, like, once they heard that it was called Zeno, that's when they started paying attention. But, yeah, so they do that. And they also, you know, Nintendo also announced games like Pandora's Tower and uh, The Last Story. But things would get kind of weird because um, some sites were reporting that Nintendo of America didn't want the game to be showed at E3 one year. There is an article from Nintendo World Report from June 23rd, 2011, where allegedly Nintendo of Europe wanted to show the game at E3, but Nintendo of America didn't want to show products that, quote-unquote, they won't sell. So there's been a lot of rumors as to whether or not Nintendo's going to release this thing. And like Nintendo America in particular, a lot of us were kind of waiting for them to be like, dude, announce these titles. And eventually you had the Operation Rainfall campaign, which was kind of just, which was made to kind of bring awareness to to people who are, who don't know about these games, just bring awareness to all three titles. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why it was called Rainfall was because of the infamous weed drought, which goes back to what we were talking about before, how people weren't playing the game. A phrase that you heard a lot around 2008, from like 2008 to about 2011, 2012, a phrase that was often used was we drought. People were saying there are no gains for the system. That's what right. is coming? That's and right. so one of the reasons it's called Rainfall is because they're bringing rain, right? They're, they're finally giving us some quality content on this console. Right, yeah, and I, I can piggyback on that because we definitely heard that too. My brother and I were, you know, would go to our local uh, EB Games because that's the Canadian version of GameStop, and we would talk that there was this lack of quality games um for the wii like there was you know just the, the yeah the legend of zelda then we heard about there were three jrpgs that were coming out we're like oh and then i was actually talked out of it because they're like you're female you won't like it I'm like, oh. which is so insane is- but you know what i believe yes. it it's so funny because a lot of the times like jrpgs are dismissed because like oh girls like them therefore they're bad yeah right <laughs> Yeah, it's, but that, that's a, I think I talked about that before in an introduction story. You did, but, but it still blows my mind that it happened. Yeah. Uh, well, so, I know better now. But anyway, yeah. So we so, heard yeah. about these three games coming out, JRPGs, big time. We got to keep an eye on them. Mm-hmm. I didn't and like the other two, though. There's been all sorts of rumors as to whether or not they're going to come out in North America. By this point, it had already been confirmed for a European release. They even had special editions secured as well. Europe got this really nice box set with a um, red classic controller. And I think in France, if you're like among the first hundred or so to like register the game, they sent you a translated version of Monado Perfect Work, the, the Monado book. I forgot what it's called. Monado Archives. Monado Archive, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had that going on over there. And, you know, Rayfall is up. They're also making articles about the game and letting people know about all three games existing. And what I found about Rainfall, believe it or not, Blade was actually one of the games I was least interested in because the last story and Pandora's Tower looks so much better to me. And the ironic part is I actually haven't finished either of those two games. Yeah, Pandora. I haven't played the last story, but by Terror, Pandora's Tower bored the crap out of me. I, I want to look. Okay, so you know what? Words, don't worry. You know what? Pandora's Tower is one of those games I wish would get a remaster because one of the biggest problems I have with that game is that it did not run very well on the Wii. It was no, very choppy. Can't. It, it, we had actually, um, when I was watching my brother play it, 
because again, I didn't buy a copy because I was told not to. Um, it we actually froze the Wii on several occasions where oh we my had goodness. actually um, oh. like complete pull the plug on the Wii to restart the game. Oh, was that I, where it makes the horrible shrilling noise? That yes, my that brain? one. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. God. That that noise was why I was afraid to mod Super Smash Brothers Brawl. I I did it. I modded it, and I had fun with playing Brawl Plus and Brawl Minus and all that other crazy stuff. But to this day, that noise haunts my dreams. Yep. It is. The most terrifying noise, when especially when you least expect it, because it is so loud and so shrilling. Ugh. Yeah, ah, and out ah. of the three, um, when I was watching my brother th- play, the only one I would gravitate towards back to was Blade, and then I bought myself the 3DS copy, and well, you heard, I had cursed cartridge. And then I, I bought feel, the definitive edition. Yeah, if I remember correctly, of the three, well, I'm, if I say if I remember correctly... It felt like it to me. Um, Nintendo Power definitely mentioned the last story and uh, Xenoblade fairly often. They did not talk much about Pandora's Tower. Well, <laughs> well I know that uh, Hironobu Sakaguchi worked on the last story and yeah. the Walker team. So there's kind of a higher, I guess, pedigree. Well, I don't know too much about Pandora's Tower. Yeah, Pandora's Tower, that would eventually get published by Exceed, I believe, and that happened yes. in That's 2013. Right. Yeah, they did. Yeah, Exceed did that and The Last Story. Yeah, and The, the Last Story, yeah, it obviously had like a bit, has some big names on it. I remember reading the review in there and being like, oh, they put stealth elements in? That sounds really cool in our Yeah. Review. But yeah, uh, there's some other really interesting articles at that time, like there's one from Destructoid where the journalist noted that um, there was a listing on Peter Dixon who would voice Sorian that there was, that they had put that uh, Xenoblade Chronicles was coming as a fall release in both Europe and the United States, which is really, really interesting to me. Um, I didn't know about that until I was writing notes for this episode. And then of course there was the dreaded Facebook post that uh, those of you who are following this at the time, y'all know what I'm talking about. June 29th, 2011, where Nintendo officially says, thank you for your enthusiasm. We promised an update, so here it is. We never say never, but we can confirm that there are no plans to bring these three games to the Americas at this time. Thanks so much for your passion and for being such great fans. Yeah, they, they were really stubborn back in the day because they were the... They were at the time a company that like made decisions without influence from anyone, including their fans. Mm-hmm. Like you could you could sign up, you could have you know twenty million signatures on a petition, and Reggie would turn around and say twenty million signatures doesn't mean twenty million sales. And it was like it was like yeah. they hated money. Back but then. I also wonder if like part of it is because of the state of the we at the time. Because they they had this feeling that people just wouldn't be interested in it. Yeah, I, well, I, I could believe that. Yeah, remember when um, Amazon had a listing for Monado Beginning of the World? And they then, still do, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, because I, yeah. I remember, yeah, that was part of Operation Rainfall. Was to pre-order <laughs> that. And... Uh, 
I remember like also writing letters to Nintendo of America and emailing them and those were fun times. Man, I missed all of that. Yeah, and eventually around uh I believe it was December 2nd, they finally announced that in 2011 they finally announced that it was in fact coming to North America. And there was all sorts of rumors surrounding that. There was people wondering who like where it was going to be distributed. Uh, there was rumors about GameStop being the um, distributor for that, which ended up being true. That games, you it was a GameStop exclusive at first. Now, couldn't you also order it off of Nintendo's website as well? Yes, you absolutely could. And okay. there's kind of something funny about that. So remember how I mentioned that Europe got a special edition? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. If you dug through Nintendo of America's website at the time, and I remember doing this, you could find a special edition for North America. No way. However, however, there's a a huge but. We didn't get a special box. It was literally the game and a classic controller just bundled together. Ew. Like, they they just kind of packaged them together. Now, why a classic controller, I wonder? Because this is during the Wii, right? Yeah, it was compatible with the classic controller, and oh, so the game was playable. Yeah. With pla- okay, that makes yeah, sense. That's, yeah, that's yeah, how um, I. I remember I um, when I was watching time. my brother play it on the Wii. We never actually used the Wiimote. We used the classic controller. Yeah, I used the the original classic controller. I actually never got a pro, but um, yeah, that's actually how I played it. I used the classic controller to play the game. I used the Wiimote. Me too. Half of it. Then I got annoyed, and then I got myself a nicer controller. What was so, the difference in the regular classic and the pro? Was the pro just the one with handles? Because that's the one. Yeah, I the pro. Had. The pro yeah. had handles. The yeah, uh, one that I had. two. No, the joysticks were on the regular one as yeah, well. Yeah, it was on both. Oh, no kidding. Just, it was just that the the bumpers were in different positions. That's okay. Yeah, because I never had the original classic because I didn't like. For some reason, with my hands at the time, even, I was like, uh, it feels really weird to have these, like, uh, control sticks with nothing to grip with the back of my hands. I don't know why. It just, you know, anyway. I I feel like that was, I feel like that, that was my thought, too. I didn't, I don't think I got a classic controller until they got the Pro. Um, I think the classic controller I ended up getting was the GoldenEye one. Um, when they remade GoldenEye, they, they packaged it with a, oh, yeah. with a golden classic controller, which looked really, really cool. And um, I I mostly got it just for that, just for the classic controller, because I played a little bit of GoldenEye and did not like it at all. But um, and, and that, I, I was mostly interested in that because like that was that, you know, GoldenEye was that game that like when it was on the N64, Everyone had it. I missed it completely. No, none of my friends had it, and so I wanted to see what the hype was about with the Wii remake. And yeah, it was. Mm. I actually didn't there, have it anyway. Um, either, but but my, yeah, the I classic the, the 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 classic Pro controller, I thought was was more ergonomic. Worked very well for Xenoblade. Yeah. But yeah, that's what they did for us. They um gave us like this really weird version of it. And I'm pretty sure I put a picture of what that looked like in the dock. Yeah, you did. It was weird. <clears throat> it was very weird. Yeah. 
So that's a kind of an interesting thing. And I, and I remember uh, if you pre-order from GameStop, you also got a small art book as well, which I actually still have. In fact, I even still have the original um, the original shipping label because I had it delivered to my house since I was actually away at school at that point. So I was like, well, I'm not going to be able to pick it up at the store. I'll just have it delivered at home. And then when I come home um, some weekend, I'll, I'll go ahead and play it. And I don't even know why I kept the label. I think I remember like, I got it, and I said to myself, I'm going to keep this for some reason, and I'm glad I did. (laughs) (laughs) Even at the time, I knew it was going to be a special game. (laughs) What were you saying, Robin? Uh, I was asking who else pre-ordered it. Oh, yeah. I I also have that. Yes, yes, I know you're a girl, and therefore (laughs) couldn't get video games. I I was asking the men here. I didn't didn't pre-order anything back then. So I, uh, I, uh, before it was confirmed for the U.S., I bought the uh, uh, European version, and then oh, wow. when, yeah, and then when it was announced for America, I was like, "Well, shit." Um, <laughs> oh no, two but, versions. But yes, I did yeah. buy. I did uh, buy the American version, but I I gave it to a friend in college. And I kept the art book, and I was just like, I, I'm supporting them. I'm supporting Molosov, so I'll just buy the game twice, but give away. Yeah. So you would have copy. had to mod your Wii then, because the Wii wasn't region free, right? <clears throat> yes. Yes. I got and help. The N- Nintendo was going to be on all of our asses for all the yeah. going on. Oh my goodness. Like, if you wanted Xenoblade at the time, you had to mod your Wii. If you wanted to play Fatal Frame 4, you had to mod your Wii. Or the Fatal Frame 2 remake, you had to mod your Wii for that. F- want to play Captain en- Rainbow? Tough luck. Funny enough, it was cheaper to uh, import the the European version than it was to actually buy the, the American version of the game. That sounds about right. Wow. I believe that. That's yeah. believable because, like, the, the North American version stayed at like full price at least for the next what five six years funny you should say that because we're gonna get into that nonsense oh god Uh, i did not pre-order it i actually didn't even know it came out in the u.s i remember i think it was either on rpg fan or rp gamer Mm -hmm. i saw something that was discussing like hey here's this cool like pseudo sequel to uh xenosaga and it's never coming here, so don't even get your fucking hopes up. And I was like, oh, okay, Aww. I'll just look at the pretty character art, and now I'll just forget about it. <laughs> and then much, much, much fucking later, I was on a person's blog, and they were like, hey, what makes video games art? And someone was like, well, in Xenoblade. And I was like, that came here? What the hell? <laughs> so I went to the store, and I was like, oh, there you are. Okay, thanks. <laughs> and that was my exciting story of picking it up. <laughs> like, it was just, I went to the store, and there it was. And I said, cool, thanks, bye. I have a much more cool. exciting story of how I acquired Xenoblade 2 during the Xenoblade 2 famine. Which is still That's ongoing, going. from what I understand. <laughs> I still had to feed my children with only like Zen, like little Zenas. Tell you what, you could save the Xenoblade Two stuff for later on in the year because there. I mean, we could do a Xenoblade Two anniversary episode. The, the fifth year anniversary is in December. Oh, I thought we already did the fifth anniversary. How many fucking fifth anniversaries does this game have? Wait, cut this out of the episode because we we can't reveal our future plans. <laughs> uh, I was going to reveal future plans in the future. Jake, I'm going to buy a Switch. I guess you could say that we're now future connected. Hey! Hey! 
Anyways, back to the release of the first game. So, game came out. I got it. Um, I was actually probably one of the few people I knew who bought it. By that point, almost everybody I knew had well moved on from the Wii. Uh, but I was still holding on to it. I was still playing games on it at the time. And uh, I would always go to GameStop and I would always check to see if they had Xenoblade because I was curious if like this was going to be some really rare game or if this is like some limited print or something because the way people made it seem, it, the people made it see that it was going to be a limited print and that most of the copies they had were just going to be remnants from pre-orders. Yeah, so, there was, that was it. Like what they were going to have in stock was it. Yeah, that was it. But funny enough, for much of that year, I often saw at least one copy of uh, Xenoblade at every GameStop I went to. And I remember I made sure to check. I did get one friend to buy it, and I don't know if he played it, but hey, I got him to buy it. That was good. Mm -hmm. But around the time the Wii U had come out, later that year, I think it was 2012, the Wii U came out. Yeah, I think so. Around that time, copies started to disappear. And people were saying that like oh man i can't find xenoblade because i think a lot of people bought the wii u and they wanted games to play on it so they're like oh well xenoblade just came on the wii i could play that on there and i guess like because of what that's one of the reasons i think like people started to just buy the game like crazy because you just could not find it anywhere and if you went on ebay it was selling for like 80 90 even it was going for like insane amount of money online but something weird happened in 2013 dun 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 dun, dun, dun. copies we need to cut to a commercial break and then we can come back uh, this <laughs> podcast has been brought to you by the letter x i apologize for the coughs up i'm still recovering how alcohol. dare you cough yes. on our sacred you're human you have human functions and I know, human right? needs. Gross. Get out. You're fine. I'm actually Macon. What? <sighs> okay. So, in around 2013, copies of Zenoblade started showing up at GameStops. Just randomly, copies started showing up again. And then they were priced at like. 70 to 90 dollars like in that range they were mm -hmm. a ridiculous amount of money over there mm -hmm. i got very lucky because i bought my copy in like 2013 and i got it just at normal full price <laughs> now it wasn't unusual for gamestop to price um games that were kind of harder to find as like ridiculously expensive i remember a time where marvel versus capcom 2 would sell for like 80 dollars at gamestop i remember so the a time where a pre-owned copy of the metroid prime trilogy went for 70 in yeah. fact, we're going to get to that. That Metro Prime trilogy is related to the story. Oh, okay. So, well, by all means, keep going. Yeah, it's really it is it is absolutely involved I love with the story. story. Time with Justin. So what happened was that started going on, and I distinctly remember going on GameStop's website and then checking Xenoblade on there, and then I noticed that there is a new banner on GameStop's site and a new lineup of games called their vintage lineup, their vintage game lineup. And there was art of Xenoblade. And if you clicked on that, you'd see listings for Xenoblade and Metroid Prime Trilogy, which even at the time was a pretty hard game to find, especially the Steelbook version. Yeah. And, yeah. She, went, and she went on Xenoblade's page at the time, which you guys could see because I found an archive of it. So y'all know I'm not making this up. I mean, my uh, first thought is always <laughs> you're a compulsive liar. So. Yeah, right? 
Yeah. And she went on Xenoblade's website, at Xenoblade's page on GameStop at the time. There was a whole bunch of extra artwork from the game on there. There was like descriptions of the story, character bios. They went crazy trying to promote this on their website. And I mean, it's a GameStop exclusive, so of course they're going to promote it. Even in store, I do remember uh, that they having some videos promoting it on like their TV. But yeah, like they were going hard promoting this and they were selling this as a vintage game. But where it gets shady is people started to realize that these copies were basically brand new. They were almost always like mint condition. And people started to, to suspect that like, holy shit, this is actually a reprint copy that GameStop opened up and, and sold as used. And then now they're trying to create a brand new lineup of games to justify the high prices that they're selling it at. And this was done for Xenoblade and Metroid Prime Trilogy. I don't recall any other games. I believe it was just those two games, which is kind of weird to call those two vintage games, even in 2013. Yeah. Now, I believe, yeah. I, I believe for legal reasons, we need to say allegedly they did this. <laughs> it's not... Well, allegedly reprint copies. Not allegedly that they call them vintage, because I have the... I had the web archives to prove that. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I, that I that I believe. Right, we're not in a court of law. We can say it so. I got the receipts on that one. Also, the GameStop doing something scummy or shitty like that would not surprise me. Not even in the slightest bit. I wouldn't even blink. I wouldn't even blink. Oh come in on! Fact, I'm looking at the players. Am I right? So I'm looking <laughs> at the archive link right now, and the price for Xenoblade Chronicles. Uh, this capture is from August 13, 2013. The price of Xenoblade Chronicles on that day was $89.99. Get Jesus. the fuck out of here. And you can look, you click on the link, you'll see it. Oh, no, you I believe see the- you. I'm, that, that's, that's me responding to their asking price. Actually, you know what? Hold on a moment. Let me go check to see something. I will be right back. You can keep recording. I'm just sure. checking. Just and if you, look at the, if you look at the banner above Xenoblade Chronicles... It'll say vintage video games. And then next to it says, you asked, we delivered Xenoblade Chronicles. And also to put it in perspective, I went to a a game exchange store in uh, Pittsburgh like a month or so ago. And I saw the game, the Wii version for just $50 like today or like, yeah, this year. So that's cr- absolutely crazy that it was going for that price back then. It was going for an insane amount of money. Um, in fact, if you look at some of the other links, I have links to various outlets covering this very thing because they're talking about both Metroid Prime Trilogy and Xenoblade. Uh, let's see. According well, to Nintendo Life. not to be the good guys in this situation. According to Nintendo Life, uh, they were selling Metroid Prime Trilogy at eighty four ninety nine. Wow, it went up. It went up even higher than than what it was when I uh, I worked there. When I when I worked for GameStop, uh, I think it was like 2011. I want to say was when I was around the time of stops. We had a copy of Prime Trilogy, and and I every time every shift I would be like, "Do I want to pick up a second copy because of how hard this is to find?" And then I just reason kicked in every time, and I said no. But it was marked at seventy dollars and it was pre-owned, and I was like, "Like, wow, that's a lot for a pre-owned game, Wii game." 
It is twenty dollars on Wii U eShop right now if you want it. Yeah, I mean, a couple years ago, I bought I uh, one of our. um, I don't know if you have MicroPlay down there. Um, One of our stores was closing, so I went out and I picked up an unopened Xenoblade Chronicles One for the Wii for under thirty bucks. I'm like, I'm happy. Wow. Yep. Oh, so there's an article from our favorite Kotaku about this. <laughs> oh, this is going to be good. Here we go, boys. He brought yeah, up Kotaku. Uh, it, it's Kotaku, and it's it's even Jason Schreier writing this, too. That, that's, that's Even better. Going. All right. Hold on. I'm going to go get the popcorn. I'll be right back. But um, Jason had commented that uh, he called a bunch of NYC GameStop this morning, and employees at three stores told me that within the past two weeks, they received new shipments of used Xenoblade Chronicles which they'd happily sell me for $90. Oh, that's ooh, that's scummy. Yes. That's taking advantage of uh of your of your customer base there and, and honestly and the fan base. At the time, I had uh, whenever I got my copy because I got it a bit later than I wanted to. It was just kind of like money stuff at the time but anyway now by the time um, i got it i was like i'm lucky that i even got it at the price i did so the next day i I think it was the next day uh yeah the next day jason wrote another article where uh, they talked about how they actually reached out to gamestop to comment on it and gamestop according to him said gamestop regularly receives feedback from our power members regarding old titles they would like us to bring back such as vintage games like Xenoblade Chronicles. Bold of you to call a game that came out a year ago vintage. (laughs) We were recently able to source a limited number of copies of this title to carry in our stores and online. In fact, we have sourced several more vintage titles that will be hitting stores in the coming months, including Metroid Prime Trilogy. As always, our pricing for these games is competitive and based on current market value driven by supply and demand. Power Pro members always receive a 10% discount and earn power up rewards points on pre owned purchases. So, driven by supply and demand. Well, who controls the supply? It's GameStop. <laughs> yep. Wow. Anyway, I am back. I went and, to check to see if I had taken the price sticker off of my copy, and I had. So, uh, the end. And let me tell you, I remember even at the time, there were some big YouTubers that were making videos about this, calling GameStop out on this. They're still, some of them are still up even. And According to Archive, the vintage banner would disappear, quote-unquote, by August 24th. So, yeah, that was like one of those things that kind of quietly swept aside. Yeah. It came and it went because people were... We, we lived in the age of the internet, and people aren't stupid. They are not as stupid as these companies think we are, and we know when they're up to some shenanigans. And that was some grade A shenanigans. Yep. And you can, and I mean, you could actually still buy Zonoblade from GameStop uh, today for, I think it's about 30 bucks there. And another interesting thing, I don't know as much about this, but like more recently, and by more recently, I mean like within the last five, six years, there's been another set of Xenoblades coming up in GameStops. Um, I believe these are like supposed to be UAE editions of Xenoblade. And those have English on them, and I did see those in some GameStops. It seems like there's a bunch of Nintendo games that were getting reprinted like that. They have like this extra little label on them. What is UAE? I've never heard of that. 
um, <clears throat> United Arab Emirates. So they started printing some Nintendo games for release in that region, and I think some of those actually made it into states. Oh, oh, okay, yes, I think I know somebody who lives in in the UAE. You do. okay? <laughs> yeah, all right. I'm 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 familiar with it now. Yeah, so some of those started appearing, and I remember at the time people were kind of confused about that because they're like, "Wait, are these like actual <coughs> NTSC copies?" But they do apparently work on. North American consoles. Huh. I could be wrong on some of that. I just remember that, um, yeah, we started seeing some new Xenoblade show up with this additional little um, label on it. it. Like, Xenoblade has it. I think Kirby uh, Re- Return to Dreamland also had it, too. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody remembers that. that I've I never don't. heard of that, I don't think, until you brought it up. It sounds vaguely familiar, but... Uh... Not I don't really. Re- I don't. Yeah, I don't really remember it. I was barely well. out of the loop at the time with that kind of stuff. Like, I, I mean, I was in the loop a bit on like the whole video game scene in general, but I guess I wasn't catching as much of the behind the scenes, like what was going on with the Wii stuff, other than stuff that was just mentioned in magazines and such. I just posted a picture of it. Gotcha, gotcha. Let's take a looky. You're done. Let me go see this. Oh, okay. No, I've never oh, seen that okay. sticker. Yep, that's a that's a sticker. Yeah, and I, I've seen those actually show up in North American GameStops as well. So I don't know what the full story about that is, but that also exists. Featuring Dante from the Devil May Cry series. What new Devil funky Nuts. mode? <laughs> anyway, sticker joke done. Yeah, and another reason people were suspecting that um the the copies of GameStop were getting were a reprint was because the box was different. The inside, um, I think, what is it? I think the reprinted Wii games just have a Nintendo logo instead of the Wii logo on the inside, something like that, or maybe I have it backwards. I know that was talked about in another episode, but I don't remember which, and I have a cat on my lap now, so I cannot check. Yes. Hey, speaking about, like, little details on the the art for the original release of the game i loved how like the wii disc had like the hole uh like what they had printed over the hole was like where the hole in the monado is that was really cool oh yeah i love that i love that i also like the reversible cover on the wii version too yep yep i mostly ended up having at the time that 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 i got the game i i I played it on. I ended up playing it on Wii U because I had just I had not had a Wii U for that long, and I had a midshift job where I would get home at like ten in the evening, and I would just like go off into my room and just kind of like most people were like going to bed and stuff, and I would just be like, I'm gonna stay up late. It was kind of like my solitary therapeutic session of sitting and playing games while everyone else was asleep. And I gotta say, Xenoblade Chronicles was great for that. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. That it was. It put it had a vibe that nothing else I played during those sessions just like did. It did a lot for me. That did a lot for like, my mental state like, at the time. Going to bed game. All right, so. Uh, enough about like I guess we can get into the next topic like enough about the release of it but what did you guys think about it when you just put it into your Wii for the first time 
I didn't really have too many games on the Wii. Like, I think it was that and some hunting games that I had bought for my dad. Um, so if anyone needs a lot of Cabela hunting games for the Wii, let me know. Um, I, oh, on again, that I note, um, next time I see any Madden games or anything like that that's a year older, I'm going to be like, look, everybody, a vintage game. <laughs> Uh, I got some vintage Cabela hunting games. I, I never um, played it on the Wii. Um, again, females shouldn't be playing this game. Yes, you want to know. Yes. So when I was watching my brother play it, um, I was actually very mesmerized uh, by just the story. Like not not the the music. I'll, I'll talk about later in Bee's Corner. I'll tell you about the music, but the just the story of it forget about the graphics just the story of there was a part about zanza like i was like this is a movie to me i was glued to the screen and every time um he would go off and he had his own house and i you know would pop over again i'd be like okay what did i miss he's like oh it's too complicated i won't explain to you i'm like no 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 tell me what i missed so i can watch the next part like i was glued to the story and i gravitate towards those rpgs that have a a strong storyline and that's why I gravitated to watching it on the Wii. It's too complicated. There's too many. To, you go into a fight and you have to you have to like scroll over and press a button to make a decision. That's too hard. No, women can't press buttons. Yeah, Are you insane? No, they What's were. What's next? You're going to say that they can tell vote? Me that more my style would be. <laughs> Um, say Final Fantasy games, which are like the turn-based combat system, which drives me up the wall and through the roof. I know because it's slower pace, and you would understand it more. Oh pfft, no, give me action, so, anything. Okay, yeah, so I yeah, when I played uh, Xenoblade, I mean to kind of back up a little bit because I remember also watching the Monado beginning of the world trailer and like. Mm. Eh, it looks okay, and then like right yeah. afterwards, I heard, "Oh, it's by Monolith I'm like, "Um, Monolith the creators of my favorite video game series, Xenosaga." Okay, you have my attention. Um, so then, yeah, when I imported the game, um, and asked a friend to uh, uh, hack my Wii, I was very eager to play it. And then when I actually did get around to playing it, I, um. First of all, was amazed just the how the Wii could handle the, the those environments. Like I, I was I was unimpressed by the the character models because I feel like the Xenos, especially Xenos episode three, like like had like such really good character models, but the environments just really impressed me for a Wii game at that time. That was like a big thing for me. I've always been bigger on and with video games like i i love a good story i highly appreciate like good gameplay as well but sometimes a game just like the world can sell me like the the overall vibe the environment the setting all that stuff is like huge and i kind of felt like whenever whenever i first booted that game up i was you know working that mid shift it was like a dead end job i felt like i was kind of in a rut and that game was kind of like a highlight that was God, like I hate to go into like oh it was escapism but you know it really was for me <laughs> like it really worked for me especially at the time. Mm-hmm. And I can um, absolutely see that. I can absolutely it, see how that game like, would be escapism for anyone. 
Yeah. Yeah, and it just being like I, I was trying to get more into RPGs because I wasn't as usually as into those. Like in the past, I didn't grow up with them as much, other than the select few that I mentioned earlier. You know, your Pokemon's and your Paper Mario's yeah. and all. But I, I just like heard about this one, and I heard about a few of these others, and that was kind of like uh, my gateway drug into more of them because of how much that world compelled me and just how much everything about it did. And I've developed a taste for a lot more of them than I probably would have given a chance before Mm. because of that game. Yeah. And around the same time too, I was playing world of Warcraft and it reminded me a lot like that, especially with the Mm -hmm. combat system. Mm -hmm. Which is one place where I don't connect because I did not like World of Warcraft. We're not going to talk about my addiction. I had a problem with World of Warcraft, a legit addiction. Let's not, that's for another day. I like to watch my friend play World of Warcraft a bit because there were things about it that were kind of cool, but I could not stand playing it. There was something about the gameplay field that I can't completely put my finger on that I just did not like. But that's Mm. another here nor there. Yeah. But it's just, I only bring it up because it's funny that people compare it. and, And I get why. But, yeah, completely different to me. Yeah. So, for me, at the time when it came out, I was a sophomore in college, and I was going through what was quite possibly the most difficult and stressful school year of my life. It was really, 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 really bad. uh, Everything was going wrong for me. Uh, In school, also emotionally, I just was a mess. And the game came out at um, the game came out on, you know, what was it April April six, and that day is kind of a, I'm not gonna get into it now, but that day is kind of significant for me for a personal reason. Um, it's and also National Tartan Day, sorry. Is it really? Yeah, it is. Oh, interesting. But uh, yeah, uh, I got the I eventually got to play the game when I came home from college uh, for the weekend, and I turned the game on. And I saw that title screen, and I just remember watching it and being mesmerized by it. And then I actually started the game, and it hooked me right away. And I saw Shulk, and Shulk really reminded me of myself in some ways. And then some things happened in the game, and I basically turned the game off. I was like, okay, this game's really good. I want to get through this game. I want to get through the rest of this school year so that I could spend my summer playing this. And then after that, I came back to school because I had like finals not too long after that. Mm-hmm. And I came, I, I got, I went to school, got through my finals. I was, I was beyond stressed out for those finals, but I ended up passing. And then I spent the rest of the summer just playing the game. And I know Nick mentioned that, like, you know, it was like escape for him. For me, it was less of an escape and more of just a way for me to just think, just think about myself and my life up to that point and think about the mistakes I made, think about my achievements. Um, a, show, a lot of Shulk's strengths, I kind of share some of them and I sh- also share some of his flaws as well. And seeing him go through that journey, it felt like I was going through the journey with him. And by the end of it, it really made me realize I can I could change my life. I can change the future. You know, yeah. yeah, I could I could do better for myself. Like it's not too late to to just it's never too late to give yourself a better future. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I felt like my life is gonna be over. Like I am going down a horrible path right now. At the time, um, just yeah, it was it was bad. 
But playing through that game and, you know, it, it gave me a lot of messages that I really needed to hear at the time. And it it just helped me kind of have a more positive outlook on my own life. And that led to me making better decisions for myself and ultimately getting myself out of that rut. So when I think of like the 10 year anniversary of Xenoblade coming out, I think of that's 10 years since I got through what was probably the hardest period of my life, even to this day, nothing I've faced was more difficult than what I was facing back then, both physically and emotionally. Mm-hmm. So that's why this game is like, think of that as 10 years. I'm just like, oh my goodness, this is this is insane. I, I can't believe it's been 10 years and what a 10 years ha- it's been. Yeah. And after I played Xenoblade, that's actually when um, I joined Operation Rainfall. Even though I'd been following them, I actually started writing for them after I played Xenoblade. And that was a really good period of my life where doors started opening for me. I started getting better opportunities mm-hmm. and um, I was starting to dress a little bit better, look a little bit better. Cause believe me, I, it was bad back then. Like I had so many terrible habits that I was slowly kicking and yeah, it was <clears throat> watching Shulk go through what he did and it just gave me the motivation to move on. And that's why it means a lot to me. Yeah. Yeah. In, I mean, like, not. I, I'm pretty sure not, not even close to the same degree in some in a lot of ways. But I, I could say, I guess, I could add that something kind of similar for me in just the way that I, whenever I had started that game, I was pretty fresh out of college, and I was kind of like in that post college rut where I'm tr- still trying to like find my footing and like find something good but still in like dead end job and so it was also kind of like something to get me thinking from and like get get me away from like where i was just like financially and in my career and just things like that so in that way i could say it was like somewhat similar in like influence in some ways as well especially like the story does you know does like really lend to like Helping you believe, like you can turn your life around, unless show yeah. proving to you rather, not even just helping yeah. you, but exactly, you're the, you're literally doing it in every fight. It was like even more than that in some ways, just because like the other things, just like the music and the imagery, oh, yeah. also would just like work mm-hmm. so well in tandem with that. Like I remember nights I would get home from work, be like really tired but not ready to go to bed yet, and I would just turn that game on. And instead of starting the game up, I would just watch and watch the title screen and listen to the music for like t- ten minutes or more. It just depending on the night mm-hmm. and sometimes how rough it was. So it it got me through a lot. Uh, yeah, the in some music ways. Yeah, it's something that like I'll never forget. Like hearing Satoshi Mon for the first time. Uh, the moment I made it into um, Gore Plains and seeing this gigantic world on the Wii and just being blown away that the Wii can even run this. I'm like, this looks so cool. I cannot like, believe how big it was. I couldn't either. And honestly, I know we were talking about how like it looked like trash. I think it looks fine. The environments look great. The character models, yeah, those are a little rough in some spots. But the worlds themselves, I think those look great even on the Wii. Satsu Mars still looks gorgeous. Gore Plains still looks great. Air at Sea, it's still beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I should probably clarify my comments earlier. When I said uh, I was looking on the 3DS and I said that about the game, I was strictly speaking about character models. Yeah, um, but I, I'll I also really say that I don't see a lot of the, the environments. 
So. I'll also say that I don't think the 3DS does the game justice for the simple fact that it's a small screen. Because yeah. Yeah. Xenoblade, to me, is the kind of game you want a big screen. You want that big experience. You're in this giant world, so you want it, you want it on a bigger screen, right? You really want to feel like, holy crap, I'm in this world. And it's great. It's like it got to a point where the music so was so much. cool to me. Like when I oh, this is the moment where I I really fell in love with the game. When I got to my first unique monster, and that battle theme started, and I remember thinking like, oh, this is pretty good. I like this. Oh, that's not bad. And then that part comes in where it's all like, dan, 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 dan. oh my god, that was a <laughs> moment where I was like, yep, th- this is the game for me. I- I- I'm loving this one. And like ever since, every time I go to a unique monster, I had a thing where I would always crank up the volume. Like as soon as I'm walking up to it, I'm like, yep, unique monster. Where's that remote? Volume going up. <laughs> and then, yeah, I'm blasting that theme. And I think I said in a previous episode that like for a while, like that was basically my theme. I would always play that song because it always got me pumped up. It always got me thinking in a more rational way. So oftentimes if I had something that I need to do and I need to use my head, I would play that song and it would help me get through whatever I was working on. I'm going to say I actually liked the character models. I thought it was like, it, it was interesting to have something look so painterly. I liked it. It was different. But I yes, like, I understand I like why too. a lot of people yeah. didn't like them, but uh, I'm going to just come out and say I liked them. And that's fine. Yeah, I mean, honestly, especially like at the time, they were fine. I remember I, I was thinking on this and there were, some, there, you saw this a lot back then in magazines and stuff, but it was like, oh, this looks really good for a Wii game. Yep. And um, yep. like, I remember, I remember that about like Monster Hunter Tribe, which was like my first Monster Hunter. But whenever I went to that game later, after having, having played Monster Hunter Tribe and things like that, I was like, this game is doing a lot like environments because in Monster Hunter Tri, they were like all separated into zones and things like that. And it looked pretty good, but I was surprised at how good Xenoblade looked, especially for like how big the environments were without like cutting out anything else. Like it was, I was like, yeah, this, this may not be, in every way graphically the best but like it's got an art style that really works for it and it's a really good looking game there's another really like graphical powerhouse of a game on the Wii and that's uh, Metroid Prime 3 people always seem to forget that like even by today's standards in my opinion the Prime games still look fantastic and they run fantastic and they're just they're very pretty games. So like when people say, "Oh, it looks good for a Nintendo game." I get so mad whenever I hear that because just because the graphics aren't photorealistic and, you know, like like hyper resolution or anything like that doesn't mean that the games can't be visually stunning in their own way. I'm sure yeah. that if I had gotten to see Satoru Marsh at night on the Wii, I probably would have been completely blown away by it. Um, and same thing with the Aerith Sea. I'm sure that like both of those locations were just visually breathtaking on the Wii. And, uh, you know, depending on who the developer is, you can absolutely make a really gorgeous scenery 
with you know with 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 that kind of hardware it's it's within the realm of possibility mm-hmm. yeah i mean mario galaxy wasn't a joke I, that that game looked insanely good yeah it still does. It still does. Yeah. I, I would yeah. always say that having a style is way better than trying for realism. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like Mega Man Legends looks great, and because it has such a unique style, it looks fantastic. Yeah. So does Jet Set Radio. They they hold yeah. up. <laughs> Wind Waker. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I love Wind Waker. I like I like I like that expression, Robin. Having a style is more important. <laughs> I agree yeah. with that completely. Mm-hmm. Because and it's, it's also pretty cool with like some of those older games because of limitations. They have to be a bit more creative. Like mm-hmm. with to use Mega Man Legends as an example, there are some really crazy tricks they use in that game to get the effects that they got. Like right down to the way the lips move. Oh, I love, I love the old the older like three D models where they just use like textures and stuff to make yeah. different yeah. facial expressions. That's just like that almost yeah. feels like a lost art in some way. Yeah, they they did some really crazy and clever tricks with that. But it's like why, you know, Final Fantasy VII remake kind of looks better than Spirits Within. It's like they said, Hey, realism doesn't actually look good or hold up. Let's go for stylized. Yeah. yeah. And um like you you, you want to talk about tricks to get things to look really pretty. Super Mario Sunshine, the the water texture looks fantastic, even by today's standards, in my opinion. But if you, like, really look at it, you could kind of, like, see how they did it, where, uh, I forget exactly what it was, but, like, if you, like, really closely examine it, you can kind of just, like, see that it's it's just, like, a plain color on the bottom, with like a fancy like texture on the on the top, and it's just it it's it's gorgeous. The the water is very pretty in that game, um, and yeah, because of technical limitations, like game developers and companies, they they got creative, and mm-hmm. were able to pull off some really amazing you know tricks and illusions. It's kind of like uh, like how they managed to make the the Tyrannosaurus and the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park look so incredibly realistic and, and good, you know, for the time period that the original movie was made. It's, it's you know, it's... It, well, some of that was practical effects, which always look really good, and we need yeah. to do more of them because that's a unionized field and people should actually be paid for their labor. Uh, <clears throat> breathe. Breathe. <laughs> but yes. Not that I hate the Hollywood industry or anything. So to bring this into... Um... I, I well, all right, I, I guess I should ask if you were done with your anecdote there first, but oh yeah, no, I'm I was going to say to uh, the the thing about like the cool little tricks like that. Xenoblade Chronicles did a really cool one too, uh, with how it would do things like yeah, it would render like the whole field, but like with in like a circle around your character. You if you like looked really close, you could well, you didn't even have to look that close, but. There was a draw distance on all the little grass textures, which was cool. And it, the same was like for the trees. When you got close to the trees, they would become 3D models. But before that, they were just like a texture, like a flat texture in the background until you got within range of them. Which 
was like noticeable if you like paid enough attention, but like a really cool trick to get it all to work together. Yeah, she says has a good video on uh, Xenoblade on the Wii. Oh yeah, I love Boundary Break. That is, that yeah, is a that, good series. Yeah, he, he's got an episode. We could link to that. In, on the off chance somehow somebody knows us but not Boundary Break. I can put that in the show notes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like, I have never heard of them, so. Oh, okay. They are, well, he he has a really, really cool YouTube channel. Yeah, he, he just kind of shows out-of-bound secrets in video games to, like, discuss game development. Yeah. I like his April Fool's episodes, they're silly. But, back on the topic of Xenoblade... Yes. Um, I didn't actually have a segue. I just thought if I said that, then somebody would go, you're right, I wanted to talk. <laughs> well, are we ready to move on to the legacy that it's yeah. left behind? Mm-hmm. I mean, so it would, um, according to VD charts at least, it would go on to sell better in the West than it did in Japan. And, you know, total worldwide sales of the Wii version of Xenoblade seem to come just short of a million, which is kind of nice considering mm-hmm. how the release was so weird in North America. Mm-hmm. But it is difficult to find out exactly how well it did at launch because I believe the numbers were not included in some of the MPD reports. So it's kind of hard to like tell what numbers were there. I think someone said that like pre-order copies were at around two to 300K, but I don't have a source for that, so I'm not going to claim that as fact. Mm-hmm. But really, um, I think it's interesting that like ever since Xenoblade, you kind of started to see more JRPGs take inspiration from it. Mm-hmm. Like you got those those big worlds that aren't necessarily open world, but like they are giant. Like if you look at some t- uh, Tales games, you could definitely see the Xenoblade DNA in, in that, or like the little collectibles on the field. Like you ever played Berseria? You got the little balls that you can collect mm-hmm. on the world. That's kind of like in Xenoblade. Mm-hmm. There was a post a while back where somebody compared Xenoblade to like other JRPGs, and they were saying like, you know, you could totally see the inspiration they took from it. See, that's that's funny to me because I have been playing many JRPGs and action games. When I played Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition. I saw something that was kind of unique. So the games, at least that I have been playing, didn't seem to take too much from it. But I would absolutely believe that this game had a large enough impact that it directly influenced other works. Um, It's just that for whatever reason, like when I played it for the first time, it seemed to be this totally new thing to me. Here we go. Here's here's one of the tweets. It wasn't the tweet I'm thinking of, but another one that still kind of illustrates the point I'm trying to make. Can you describe it to the audience? Just like the way the camera's positioned behind the character, and you get that giant view of like a massive open world, and you got like the little map. And I mean, it's it's still loading for me. Oh my gosh! No, I see one of the screenshots is Xenoblade X. Yeah. Yeah. One of the screenshots is Breath of the Wild. Wait, Xenoblade influenced Xenoblade, you don't tell me. Oh, yeah. yeah. This was 
this game did come out you know like what? at a time when uh, like this big op- more open world which is like where you could see just everything like yeah. wasn't as big a thing for sure now that you posted this tweet i i'd like to amend my previous statement near automata has yeah pulls a lot from xenoblade when i think about you're right. it right you're right now that i'm thinking about it how because i've played that recently yeah you yeah you got a point there and I think we had either said on the podcast or maybe, you know, during one of our voice chats that, like, there's a ton of overlap between Nier and Zeno fans. If yeah. you like one, there's a pretty good chance you like the other. I can okay. see that. I, I can I absolutely like see yeah. that. I would say I prefer the, the, the gameplay in Nier a little bit more, but um, that's just a me thing. But I, uh, I, could, I could definitely see the overlap between those two games. And how thematically it's because we're all we're all miserable. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> it is a man. I like the I like the top the I like the the the, the top reply, which is where he replies to himself and says, "Damn, I for, almost forgot the OG." And it's the uh, it's the Windows the XP background. <laughs> that's great. Well, now I feel vintage. Yeah, that that's some vintage shit right there. Slap a high price tag on yourself. Uh, <laughs> uh, what a, like what I find interesting though is is that one of the screenshots that um this Twitter account posted is the last one is Super Smash Brothers and I'm confused like it, it, I I think it's more about like the um the scale of the scenery in the background okay. Okay. You didn't see that as much in Smash Brothers before that one, I guess, is what they're trying to say. Okay. All right. Now I see that. I see that. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Xenoblade's one, his legacy stretches beyond just the first game because it's also kind of made some appearances in other games, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, for one, you have the Shulk Amiibo, which is compatible in a few games. Mm-hmm. Yes. It took me forever to find one. I mean, if you still bang your action figures together, it's it's that game, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's a game with... <laughs> That's my favorite game. My favorite game, banging action figures together. I can tell it's my favorite game because that's basically the appeal of Mortal Kombat and uh, <laughs> Guilty Gear. Both of them are just, what if I banged my action figures together? I mean, yeah, I- I'm right there with you. I mean, wasn't that the premise of the first Smash Bros? Yeah. What if I bang my action figures together? Yeah. yeah. It's a good premise. Yeah, I, it's how you make a fighting game. Not to go <laughs> too much into that, but I, I do, I did like it better when they were like little puppet doll things instead of trophies in Smash Brothers. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Nope. <laughs> but yeah, um, Xenoblade, uh, if you had the Shulk Amiibo, you can use it in Mario Maker and you can play as Shulk, quote unquote. <laughs> With his Japanese voice. With his yeah, Japanese voice. Uh, so my, my brother and I have had this thing where one of us would say, hey, do you want Thing? And the other one would say, no, I don't want that. So I, that's how I ended up with Mario Maker. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, that's that's about the most joy I got. I was just like, I'm just going to be Shulk. Yay, I'm Shulk doing a Mario. <laughs> I love Super Shulky Omega. Yeah, I... And it's- 
I could not get enough of Mario Maker 1. I loved the crap out of that. And I loved the... uh, I think I even used the Shulk Shulk, uh, thingy for one of my... um, one of my levels. I don't remember though. That, 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 that feels like a lifetime ago. Oh, I remember the voice recording for sound effects feature in that first one. Yeah. Actually, the fun game that my brother and I played where we got each other things that the other one didn't want is how I ended up with the Wii. <laughs> that I, he's like, do you want the Wii? And I'm like, I don't know. There really aren't any games that I'm interested in. And he's like, okay, here you go. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> I just had a memory come back to me of a level my brother made in Mario Maker 1 that was not, that we could definitely never have uploaded. (laughs) (laughs) He recorded some things. (laughs) Enough said. So yeah, other than Mario Maker, you can also use that amiibo in Yoshi's Woolly World. It make Yoshi look like Shulk. I I did not know know this. I'm going to have to try it. I want now to see I really want to try this. I, I didn't I know that either. Shot of that on Twitter. <laughs> I'm gonna have to try it. I have to yeah. first find my amiibo because that like, sounds adorable. But I will say that reminds me. One time I actually met a cosplayer that had had a Shulk cosplay, but they had like crocheted the whole thing, and I was like, "What the hell?" What? That was it. Was, was insane. It um, no, but Shulk is on my um, never-ending I would like to cosplay list. So. Maybe in a year or two, you might see one. Nice. Cool. And now you know you can just crochet the whole thing. That that oh. was like the as much time as that takes to do. I that was like this is the most underappreciated cosplay here. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. That was really funny. I remember. Um, I I had a I had a friend at the time. I commissioned him to make a Monado for me. And I still have it. it it's it's really cool. Yeah, and, I want to uh, 3D print one so bad. And I remember going to Anime Next at the time, and I had it with me. And you know, of course, a lot of people were just going, "Oh, I'm really feeling it." But I remember somebody. <laughs> <clears throat> but I remember somebody asked me, "Did you did you play Xenoblade?" And I'm like, <laughs> you know, like, no, I never yeah. played it. That that's the reason why I'm carrying this Monado. Mm-hmm. What are video? Sorry, I'm a girl. Yeah, I'm actually a girl. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> As we know, girls cannot play Xenoblade. Apparently, girls cannot play Xenoblade. Yeah, girls cannot play Xenoblade. I can't play games or anything. Man, I, I think that's so freaking ridiculous. Like, as that's a kid, I keep bringing up because it's so fucking funny. I have I another you. story when we talk about X at some point. I'll bring up my story about X. Yeah, it, it's oh, insane. Man, I'm ready for that one already. And I hate it because I know that's like not even an uncommon story. Like, I don't know. Speaking personally, if growing up I knew a girl that was like super into RPGs, I would have loved to have had that, but. I guess that that's why they weren't into it because people kept saying they can't play them. Great. Let's just ask the tales of fandom. <laughs> yeah, right. Or the Zelda fandom. Who the fuck is writing all this fan fiction then? <laughs> all right. Anyways, um, yeah, Stroke was also in Smash Four, which was great. Uh, I remember that trailer was insane. And what was cool about that was before that trailer was revealed, I remember somebody leaked. I think mm-hmm. an ESRB video. That had Shulk doing air slash, and a lot of people were like wondering, like, "Oh, wait, is that is that Adam Howden? Like, what is this?" And um, when when they announced it, I remember being so happy. I was like rewatching the trailer so many times, and just Alt Smash Four was just so cool because Shulk was in it and Mega Man was in it. So I was just like, "Dude, like, 
you got two of my favorite games in one. That's amazing. <laughs> when they when they announced Pyra and Mithra for um for Smash Ultimate, that was that was really cool for me. And that if, if that was someone who's never even played Xenoblade Chronicles two, but I was just happy to see the series getting more rep in yep. in what yeah. is far and away one of my favorite games ever made. Uh, when Shulk was dropped for Smash Four, I was like, "Oh, hey, it's that it's that guy from from that that game that I missed from like ten years ago or whatever." But that's one of the reasons. It, it, it's really re- weird. The, Smash is one of the reasons why my reaction to uh, Xenoblade on the 3DS was as um, pungent as it was, which was Smash made shulk look really 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 pretty and i really liked the way i really liked the art direction so when xenoblade chronicles was coming to the 3ds i was thinking about it betsy picks it up and then i see it i'm like wait that's shulk (laughs) i was like he was painterly he was a cool watercolor boy yeah yeah, it was. It was just, Y'all are cowards. It was again. It's just very. It was very jarring to see such a uh, such a difference in art style. That said, I do remember when the definitive edition was like announced, and they were there were screenshots, and someone made a tweet going like, "Ugh, I can't believe that they made everybody so pretty. What we can't have ugly characters anymore? Why are Dixon and Uncar so pretty?" And I'm like, "That's on you, buddy." And yeah. then it was just like, "Get me the collector's edition and get me it now." I remember that when Definitive Edition was announced, there was all of this discourse. No, they made the game too anime. <laughs> And I was screaming. An anime before, before it was um, basically uh, Die Hard. (laughs) Not not like, I mean, not now that I think of it. I always thought of like the original Xenoblade Chronicles as having like a not just like a watercolor style, but like the way the the faces were almost like chiseled looking, kind of reminded me of paper mache. I do like that about that. I do think that the new, the new style definitely made the expressions much nicer. Oh, for sure. Without a doubt, nicer. I'm just saying that I didn't dislike the original. I know that that's, yeah, that's yeah. my hot take. Style. I think the original looked okay. It was a good style. Definitive Edition definitely made the facial expressions more readable and such. Yes. And I And I do really, really like the Definitive Edition art style as well. But I never disliked the original art style either. Well, I mean, okay, so this is technically not official, but um, somebody just posted in our Discord that there is a Shulk mod for Guilty Gear Strive. Hell yeah. Who does he replace? I didn't look that far into it, but it's I just high. saw it. <laughs> Probably guy. But yeah, there's that. Um, what else is here for Shulk? Uh, or actually, this isn't even Shulk. Yeah, Project Cross Zone, which had Fiora in the second game. Yes, yep. she was paired up with Cosmos. It was really interesting because, like, you don't think of their designs being that similar, but in there, you're like, "Oh, yeah, yeah, I see the similarities." Well, it's also like, "Oh, they're they're preparing a Xenosaga and a Xenoblade character together." That's yeah, interesting. And it was they had the interesting banter, and it was kind of it was it was a game something of its own that I won't talk too deeply about but yeah it was it was it was a fun little uh crossover 
Yeah, I'm gonna it's play those games. Oh, Justin, when you do, uh, well, I'm just gonna say this now so I don't forget about it. When you do play those games, talk to Matt about them because he's been playing them for years. He loves those games. I would love to play those too sometime. Oh. Yeah, and then uh, where else is Shogun appear? He also appeared in Xenoblade Two in the DLC. Yep. Uh, so that was pretty yeah, cool. yeah. Zeno, Shulk shows up there, and then we even got Future Connected, like, like the the little bonus episode. After have you played that yet, Ant? I've I, I say forgetting that I have a pin in my mouth and therefore dropping it dangerously. I'm safe. Good, good, good. <laughs> Your toe didn't get inked. I said pin, not pen. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Also, um, wasn't the Shulk Amiibo also compatible in Xenoblade 3DS, I think? Yes. Yes, yes. yes it is. With my cursed game cartridge. What so you got, like, tokens for the music mode or something like that? Yes. I believe that's correct. Very good. Alright, can I, can I jump in here? No. Yes, it okay. is about that um, time for Bee's Corner. <laughs> well, we, I touched and we all touched a little bit on everything that was in my Bee's Corner on the document, except one thing. And I think this ties in nicely with the legacy is, I don't know if you've ever heard of Video Games Live. Yes, I've heard of it. Oh, yeah. Yes. So Video Games Live, if in case you don't know what it is, listeners, is um, it was, I should say, uh, imagine a rock concert and a, a full orchestra uh, playing video game music plus light show. So it was pretty cool. Um, it was run by Tommy Tallarico. And if you have heard that name before, he was the um, CEO of Intellivision. Yeah, he's doing the, wasn't he doing the Amico? That's correct. Yeah, that's what he's doing. He stepped away from video games life to do that. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> that, um, <laughs> that one. Sorry. Go on, um, because... Uh, uh, with the Xenoblade Chronicles um, soundtrack, um, Video Games Live had a couple of Kickstarter campaigns, and they did ask as one of the uh, stretch goals on level five. Um, there were only six released. Um, if uh, the backers' choice could vote for a series, and that would be a bonus track on uh, level five, and uh, the Xeno Saga, uh, sorry, the Xeno series one with Blade coming out on top. And then there was another, I'd have to dig through my emails just to get the poll results, but the top voted backers choice song that everyone wanted was Garaplanes to be reorchestrated by video games live and played. Now, if you haven't heard it, I encourage you to, because it is beautiful. There's like a guitar solo. There's a piano solo. There's even, um, uh, a full orc uh, choir that sings in it. Just Garaplanes, um, top voted in 2016 um, for Video Games Live. But the whole, like, all of the soundtrack of any um, Xenoblade Chronicles 1 or 2, but since we're talking about 1, is just, you go there and it's memorable. And that's what I truly appreciate about this game is the soundtrack alone. Like you can listen to it and you know the vibe of the place. Um, I think someone mentioned about the battle music, how the battle's going to be. 
and just the composer did everything right. You get some video games where you're like, yeah, music sucks, but everything was done right. And it was so memorable that um, backers wanted this to be recomposed and put into a video games live album. So that was, that was my plug there. So go listen to it. Nice. Speaking of the music, uh, what are some of people's favorite tracks? Because I was listening to the soundtrack earlier specifically so because I felt that this question would inevitably be asked, and then it wasn't, so I had to ask it. All right. Well, I'm happy you asked because, uh, first of all, uh, having to pick one track is like having it's like asking a parent to pick their favorite child. Um, Fortunately, I said some of. But if I had to... If I had to pick one, I would probably say the Aerith Sea at night in Definitive Edition. Um, when I did my Definitive Edition playthrough, I played... There, there were two options. You can have battle music, and you can have um, like environment music, and you can like alternate. I had my settings at um, the new version for environment music, and then the classic for battle music. And... Aerith Sea at Night would probably be uh, my favorite track in the game because um, it it really was like just that moving to me that to elicit that kind of like emotional response. Um, but if I could also pick a battle song, it would probably be you know the one that I would imagine most people would pick, which is You Will Know Our Names. Yeah, I, I agree. I am also jumping on that one. That is one of my favorites. And um, obviously, Garrett Plains, that was actually my ringtone when I had my first smartphone. That was my ringtone. Nice. Yeah. Um, and then when my phone rang, no one knew what it was except me. But, you know, that's my own problem. Um, yeah, I also liked Aerith C. And I also, um, I also didn't mind, like... Uh, uh, the oh, the name's escaping me. Uh, Central Factory. I didn't mind that either. Yeah, I know that one of my favorite tracks is "Engaging the Enemy," which is kind of like their the dramatic one. I, I liked really anything yeah. that had like choral in the background, like a chorus in the background. "Engaging the Enemy" is um, a really good one. Yeah, "Engage the Enemy" is good. Uh, the God Slaying Sword, really good. Like, honestly, like I kept looking over at the n- names of every track. I was like, wait, this one's good. What's this one? <laughs> okay. And this one's good. What's this one? And this one's good. What's this one? <laughs> yeah. So for me, it's a not use the battle themes. I would say it's actually refugee camp. Oh, okay. I love that song. It's so nice. And like, you don't even hear it for that long, but it's really beautiful and really calming. I, what would your favorite guess, battle track be? Mine is the one that plays on the Mechanus, personally. Mechanical Rhythm? Mechanical Rhythm is yeah. a really yeah, good yeah, one. That, one, that, one's I do. that one's really great. I also really like the um, theme that plays in Mechanus where you're spotted. Oh. And get that like really fast-paced drum and beat, beat yeah, going on. Yeah. It's great. Mm, yep. But actually, um, my favorite song in Definitive Edition would probably be Agnarithia. I really like that arrangement for it. Oh yeah, that was gorgeous. yeah, that was good. Because I felt like that really like drove home what was going on there, 
it's like I I always called it beautifully haunting. Anger was the was the capital city of Macanus, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Cool. 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 I remember things. But yeah, that's that's such a good one. And "Engage the Enemy" has always been a song that um has stuck out to me. And when that play for the first time, um, that was a moment that like really hit particularly close to home for me. And um, yeah, that scene, I I think about that scene all the time. It like I still get chills from hearing that song. And it's and I like to play that song a lot. Like it, if I'm ever feeling down, I, I like to play that song because I don't know. It just kind of motivates me to just get back up and do better. Mm-hmm. And if if I'm ever in the car, like I have a USB stick with all Xenoblade Chronicles one two oh, yeah. X on my USB stick in the car when I'm sick of listening to the radio, I just flip to USB. I'm like, yep, yeah, this is good. Very nice. Uh, Tyler, how about you? Favorite songs. Oh, um, well, my my favorite's probably Satoru Marsh at Night. I remember... Very uh, valid one. Yeah, I remember, like, finding, like, a 20-minute loop of that song and just, <laughs> just, just chilling with it. It's, it's, it's calming. Uh, not to, not, not to be the one-up guy, but, um... I found it when hours you! Nope. Uh, when I first heard... Satoru Marsh, and that was that was a close one, by the way. You choosing between Aerith Sea and Satoru Marsh was very difficult. Difficult, but I went with Aerith Sea because of what it made me feel at the time of me hearing it for the first time. But Satoru Marsh at night, when I got to that point yeah. of the game, I um I thought that the music was hauntingly beautiful. The next oh, yeah. day at work. I listened to just that song for eight hours, the Beautiful. entire shift. That's so cool. And that's better than I enough. never I got tired of it. I think um, like Xenoblade is the first game now that I've ever experienced that has a distinct day versus night track. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and I do appreciate that. It's actually not the first game that I've ever. Um, heard that in but it's the first game where like the day and night tracks really um had an impact on me the closest again game to that is going Mon's great adventure that actually has some really great night tracks too but like yeah the only ones i think about those all the time and in the chat i put in some um <laughs> lyrics to sato marsh that oh, yes. i heard on in a comment section on youtube once and it's ruined the song for me <laughs> so you want to ruin the song for the rest of us jesus yes uh, sure. I, I ruined Satoru Marsh for myself with a fanfic I'll tell you all about later. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but Satoru Marsh is really great. Uh, that is definitely a highlight for that game in general. And it's James the lyrics being, like, he's still a tuna. Just like, you, you, gotta, you gotta sing it the way they say it in the no. song, though. He's still a tuna. <laughs> 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 Um, you're welcome audience (laughs) thank you on two counts well done thank you uh i feel like it's it's kind of a shame because comparatively you're in satoru marsh much less than you're in like most of the other locales in the game i feel like comparatively like i was in and out of satoru marsh like in a night um 
if you're just rushing to the story yeah yeah Yeah. i mean like i I spent a good amount of time in stroll marsh there's a lot to explore there that isn't like necessary that you can just like go out of your way to find and there's a lot of um bonus quests too that bring Mm -hmm. you back there yeah i feel like you don't really like your your experience with the game is very atypical because i don't think most people were just like i gotta get through it i gotta get through it i gotta get through it yeah that's fair that that that's more than fair So, uh, Nick, did you say your favorite tracks? Uh, nope. Uh, but I'll I'll warn you. I, I well, I've come up with some alternative ones because my favorite tracks are uh the boring answers. Because what, like the answer is boring. Because the title track is one of them. <laughs> and no, see that's beautiful too. Guar Plane is also one of them. But well, that's um, one of mine. So there you go. But, like that, honestly, Guar Plane is probably the one that's the day theme is probably the one that sticks with me the most. But I have some other. Things. My favorite battle theme is actually Zanza the Divine, which probably isn't that big of a shocker either. Yeah, that one's very good. Um, and just as far as like another just field theme that comes to mind that is, I feel less appreciated, but always gave me like a certain vibe that just made me feel like really at ease and comfortable and just was really chill. I really like Frontier Village theme. It's a good yeah. theme. Yeah. It's a very good one. Yeah. It it just always made me, it like it it's it's not a lot going but it works for that village it, like it's not super hype it doesn't have like a driving tempo uh, or anything like that like Garplane does um, it just feels kind of like homey and um, well everything was you know designed that way yeah so I I really like that one that is one that comes to mind um, off the top of my head of field themes that aren't just like your typical bombastic, we're on an adventure, let's go full throttle kind of thing. You know. Um, that isn't also a night thing, because, I mean, a lot of them just like, oh, let's just tone it down a bit for night and make things calmer and stuff. And I will say the area I felt had the worst music was Valak Mountain. Yeah. I don't even remember what it sounded like, to be honest I, with you. I, okay, I actually, actually, I want to go out on a... I want to go at... I'm glad you brought that up, because I did not think about that. But there is something about Valak Mountain, especially day theme, that I absolutely love. And it's yeah, me too. Of, it's because I of this. I like the day theme more than the night theme, but I, I, to me, it just, like, if I had to pick a track I didn't like, it's, it's going to be Valak Mountain. There's this part in the Valak Mountain theme that I absolutely love. And I feel like it's maybe not like the best thing to just like listen to just on its own. But when you're there, there is a part where that like, it almost phases out into like a fuzzy white noise kind of thing. And it feels like it's just, it's got this isolationist feel Mm -hmm. that I feel like I would like totally be in that kind of mood. If I were just on this gigantic snowy mountain alone, and I really yeah. love that about it. Like, that's how I feel about um. That's actually how I feel about the night theme. Um, I actually really like that one. Like going back to what I said before about how when I played this game, I was just kind of deep in thought about myself. When I was on Balak Mountain, especially at night, that's when like that feeling really set in. And yeah, I I don't know, like the piano with that, it just it fits so well. Like it, even nowadays when it snows, I really like to have that on. It sets like an it sets like a really cool mood. Do you have fun lyrics for that one? <laughs> I don't. So basically what Justin is saying, Robin, is that you're wrong and you should feel bad. No, I'm saying that Robin's entitled to his opinions. 
<laughs> and are valid. Yeah, I didn't even say like, hey, this is a bad exactly. thing. Exactly. This is my least favorite. favorite. <laughs> also, maybe describing it as white noise isn't the right way to do it, but there's this part where like the one of the tones in the Valak Mountain music just kind of like fades out into like this almost atmosphere, atmospheric like drone kind of droning kind of noise in the background. If that's how I could describe it, and it just feels like getting like white blinded getting lost in like a blizzard or something it's it gives it that kind of feel and it's like really cool when you can do something like that in the music that really just makes like you feel like you're there so yeah that's what i was kind of getting at with that (laughs) it's uh as a whole i would probably say that Balak Mountain might have been my least favorite part of the game. Yeah, I didn't like it very much. Really? Yeah, it just, I felt like, all right, look, is it beautiful at night like every other area in the game? Absolutely. But when you compare Balak Mountain to places like Aerith Sea and Satoru Marsh and places that you've been already that just completely like just make me zone out from how beautiful they are. Balak Mountains, I think it was because of all the yellow in the crystals and stuff, like all the yellow lights. I'm not a I'm not a fan of that color and Yeah, I, I that I had the same reaction where I was just like, well this place is cool. It's ice. Oh god, it's yellow. Uh, I hate yeah. it. Yeah. I, I like the cold snow But yeah, yellow. Yellow snow gross. Piss <laughs> mountain? No, I'm kidding. But um but no, I love uh, Valak now. I'm sorry. I, and then listen, and that's totally fine. I'm speaking entirely from from my experience with the game. There was also this one part where I had to slide down this like ice slide and jump at particular points in time. And um, otherwise, I'd have to like do this long ass walk back to try again. And I remember getting lost on Valak Mountain a lot. And which is saying something because I shouldn't have been getting lost. I had the guiding yellow line to tell me where to go next, but I don't know. It just, I had a rough experience with that area. I will say in definitive edition uh, where they added that line of Valak, that, that thing got it lost on its own in Valak mountain. It was like, that map is kind of a strangely like structured one. And I just don't feel like the, the, um, the line that showed you where to go like it isn't that bad because it's like obviously you go downhill right but there were some things that that line was having like struggling i was like oh is this the better path or is this the better path i noticed okay cool so it wasn't just me who who felt like they were like like things were getting trippy on that mountain I guess that's probably why I liked it more yeah. than like Alchemoth, because it's like there were things there. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, Alchemoth. Have I mentioned lately how much I don't like Alchemoth? You've you've mentioned how much you yeah. like Alchemoth about as many times as you enjoy getting stabbed in the t- in the foot. I I I've mentioned them both the same amount of times. Interesting. I'm, I'm kind of mixed on Alchemoth because it it looks really cool, but it it does take too long to get around. It is there, so it empty. It's like it I, is I, so empty because I think that. They're just not many of those um, Hyantia. Hyantia reproducing. Well, okay. So in Xenoblade 3, Hyantia need to fuck. Do they lay eggs? They're birds? Yes. I don't yeah. know. Maybe someone ate their eggs. Maybe the Telethia ate them. 
I don't know. Uh, I think that's, they are that's telepathy. That's what I'm going with. Uh, I remember, like, when I was playing it more recently, Cilantro said, oh, it must be so open because they had to make room for the Telethia. But then I went back with all the Telethia, and I'm like, no, it's still empty, and I still hate it! But but we love Xenoblade. We, we love Xenoblade. Yes. They we need room I can for love Xenoblade and hate Alchemoth at the same time. I can multitask. They need room this for airspace true. traffic in there. That's why it's so big. That's right. Because for some reason, they need to fly the little, the little <laughs> airships around inside of Alchemoth. <laughs> Why didn't they just put things in it for me to look at? Uh, it's like know. the it's like the largest like waiting like like large waiting lobby of honestly. Ouch! Alchemoth had some great this. escalators in it. They kind of needed like those flat ones, like they have in airports, though. That would have been yes. Nice. That would have made me hate it so much less. You know what? Anyway, this is our Xenoblade appreciation episode where we hate Alchemoth. What we really need to do is they need to do what they did with Coconut Mall and take out the escalators and just put mm. in directional, like, like the diagonal lines. Because clearly the next that would remake be, like, of Xenoblade, they'll put go karts into Alchemoth. All right, please. Hear me out. Xenoblade Chronicles Cart. I'll take As it. As though I wouldn't play that. I, yeah. I, I would play a no pawn on a motorcycle. Just saying. Yeah, driving around the little no mechanics. Take it. That would be good. Yeah, no, we'd, we'd play that. We're, we're all for it. Or, wait, wait, wait. Hear me out. A Mechon is the motorcycle. No, no. I was hoping the you were say, like, The yeah, Monado cycle, people. <laughs> we gotta make the Monado cycle thing. On a Segway. I was gonna say, that sounds kind of... Oh, wait, well, it's the Mechon. Never mind. <laughs> You know, I think we actually talked about how we wanted a racing game in our mini games episode. Probably. So yes, we did. Shockingly, we still want a, a racing game. See our mini games episode for more See ideas. See our mini games episode for more. Us saying why isn't there a racing game? <laughs> mm. Was there any more? Uh, anything more we want to discuss about either the the legacy of Xenoblade or anything else? Uh, did we, we just kind of like gush about things we liked? Does does anybody think else like? think that Satoru Marsh feels a little bland during the day? Uh, bland during yes. the day? Yes. That's why. That, that's why the night is so special because it's like oh blah, 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 yeah, and like, then I boom. That. But like I agree with Tyler. 100%. It is not. It is. It is not one of my favorite zones in the game because as pretty as it is at night, it's just like. It's not That's enough fair. to make up for just like how it's just kind of eh. It feels well, it for me. during the day I, I, in a way I, that I'm just like eh. That's okay. With my, for me. my uh, experience with Xenoblade, um, it's I. It was one of the first games where you think you're like okay because I come from a lot of Pokemon background because you think you're in the right area with the same level bosses and whatnot, and then you see this level eighty some T Rex woman around. And you're like oh <laughs> shit, and it comes after you. It's like oh. Fuck, 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 fuck. And then, you know, it's just like, oh. And that's what I really like. It's watch out that where is, you're at because there's always someone who's going to eat you. That's true. That's like the quintessential yep. Xenoblade experience. That, watch out the, for four winged birds and trees. I mean, owls. Yep. 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 I love that. I love that in Gower Plain, there's a <laughs> yes. big monkey walking around. He's just randomly walking just around walking and around. then he will And the monkey is breakfast. stronger than the final boss. Yep. <laughs> yep. Big monkey versus... Who would win in a fight? A god superior being who <laughs> is capable of devouring all life upon its back or big monkey? 
<laughs> there was one um there was one quest where you had to go uh it was in Garaplanes and you had to go um with their spiders to collect an item. So you go in there to the spider you're level like forty, spiders are level like eighty, and it's like uh run away, run away, run away. Oh man, those spiders are so great when you're suffering from drift on the switch because it's like, okay, just tiptoe, and your character's like, what's that? Run, run, gotcha. no problem. Zip. Run. Oh no. The other way. Not to mention all the times it's like, all right, let me just collect this item on a cliff, and they're like, jump off the cliff? No, no, please yeah, don't please jump, jump off, off the cliff. <laughs> That's been my experience lately. By the way, my drift just got like crazy fucking bad. And I like with um another thing I really enjoyed doing was when you were to open up the maps, you'd see like the places where you were and then the dark area. So for example, like a place like Air Sea, I went in the water and swam everywhere just so I had the satisfaction of making the map all visible on my side. Yeah. And then you learn that as long as you get all of the yeah. like, areas on the map, you don't have to do that. I, well, I actually did I wanted this, to. I did a similar thing where I almost swam around the whole map. Because I, I was like, where is that last? Because I, I, I knew that I knew that it would like fill the map automatically if you got all the checkpoints, but I could not find the last one. And I, I, I did that, and I finally found that it was like some random coast that I hadn't found. I, I did like, oh, swim around the whole thing, because I'm like, I'm downright determined to fill this map. Oh, I did that my first playthrough. The second time I played it, I was like, nope. Yup. Same thing with Alchemoth. Yeah, I did that with Alchemoth, too. Let's walk around and fill the map. Yeah, the first time I played it, I was like, I'm filling this map manually. And then the second time, I was like, nope. Nope, not do- you're not fooling me. It's looking all over Aerith Sea again. Yeah, I was not about that. I, yeah. I never did that. And then the future connected. I, I will admit, I did not enjoy it. Gasp. I'm sorry. I did not enjoy it. Well, you it. didn't like future connected at all? No. Oh, interesting. Tell us about why. Tell us why. Well, first of all, it was run here and then back there and then over there and then over there and over there. And secondly, like I, I understand it was more to get the, the Melia side of things. Like understanding her story and where she comes from and why because she's a mixed blood, like why that's so important and her rise to princess and whatever. But I I just thought it was the game was trying to, especially with those little nopon things. The pawn factors? Yeah. yeah. It was just trying to extend the game as much as it could by giving you this little tidbit that was really not needed. Like, I thought it was too much. I mean, I guess that depends on if you found it fun or not, which I yeah. did, and also my cheat answer on the music question is the uh, battle theme from Future Connected. <laughs> okay. But uh, yeah, Future Connected also... slaps harder than a, than it has any business slapping. It's really good. I, <laughs> it's so yeah. fucking good. I'll be in the minority and didn't like it. No, that's fine. That's... Honestly, I don't think oh, you're no, alone you there because like I think a lot of people went into Future Connected so. thinking it was going to be more a lot more than it was. And I was yeah. just like, um, my expectations are tempered based on what they straight up told us before it came out. I mean, having <laughs> played Torna, which was like you know the extra part of two. I was had really high hopes for Future Connected, uh, and I was let down. Uh, uh, yeah, there was yeah, your mistake. That's... Sorry, I played the reverse order. Well, no, I mean that obviously that's the order they came out in, but it's 
like they had said, look, this isn't really going to be anything that revolutionary. Well, then when um, you were all patient enough to listen to my freak out after I finished uh, playing one and how one and two are directly connected. Oh, my God. But that's for another day. No, they're not. No, no, what are you talking? I don't know. Nothing. Anyway. I don't know anything. I have not played. Look, I already knew that Chronicles one and two were directly connected yet. because the fact that Shell just shows up in at the end uh, in the DLC for two. Like they show that in in the trailer for the DLC. Okay, yeah, but that's like and a Postmost shows up in two as well. So that's like a special extra mode that's not. Let's. I don't know. How let, let's say that not anyway. get into that. Let's. We're going let's on a tangent here. Yeah. Let's so, talk about uh, the first game. I was gonna say, anybody liked characters in the first game or no? Yes. Um, yes. Okay, I, I will love say so many of them. Let me go first. Okay, right for Future Connected. However, that was the highlight of Future oh. Connected. The um, oh shoot, Nene and um, Kino. Help me out here. Kino. Kino. I <laughs> loved them so much because they were they kids of Ricky, and then Kino had this whole story about how. Um, Ricky kind of adopted him. I I hated Ricky, but I loved those two so so so, so much. And then Man, you're uh, just out here with all the hot. Good, I'm, I'm hitting the eject button. You're off the podcast. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, I like them. Um, and then I, I think I, I share a similar view with like I thought Dixon was great, and then he did some shady things, and then I wanted to throw uh, throw a shoe in his face. Um, um, I hated the Hyantia because they were sitting on their horse, but otherwise, um, I like the main characters more or less. I How mean, dare they Shulk. use horses? Shulk was great. Um, um, Shulk was a great support character yeah. in that. Yeah. In Future Connected? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where the hell Shulk? Melia and Tyrea were the best characters in that, though. Absolutely, they were, yes. they were awesome. Yeah. I, I was, I loved getting to see more of Tyria in there, and like her actually getting, oh yeah, that was so an cool. arc. That was very yeah, nice. Yeah, that was alright. Well, thankfully, we have both a Shulk and Amelia episode. You can check out if you want to hear our thoughts on them. Yes. Uh, but yes, continue, B. Oh, yeah, no. Um, I, uh, what's her face? Shulk's friend, the female. I think I'm drawing a blank. I haven't. Fiora. Fiora. Yes. Sorry, my caffeine is going out the window. Um, I didn't like her so much. I thought she was weak for a female, like main, air quote char- uh, character. Um, but otherwise, um, like Melia, she was quite strong. Um, uh, the bat. They did a really good job with the bad guys. Like you know, Zanza want to stab him in the eye. Um, Mikanas want to stab in the eye until I heard Eagle's sad story. Then I didn't want to stab him in the eye. Um, yeah, that, that, that's it. Someone so at else? that point, you leggled the eagle. Yes. Leggled the. <laughs> can, so yeah, can someone I, else can take over. There's a. Torch. I just. I just need to. I just need to cut in here and say this. Imagine. Imagine being the big bad, and your name is Eggle. Like, but 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 that thigh gap though. <laughs> that thigh gap, though. <laughs> all of the all of the fucking Makino with their thigh gaps. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Was okay. So I wasn't the only one who uh, was staring at that the entire time. <laughs> I didn't. I, I wouldn't. I no, didn't even work. notice it. I didn't even notice it. Then now Tyler mentions it. Now next time I see it, I'm not going to be able to unsee it. I'm gonna- All y'all need to be bonked. They got faces, you know? 
Yeah. Uh, Buddy, we had, like, my first episode that I appear in, I talk about wanting Vinaya to step on me, and now I need to get bonked. Okay. Um, We're always bonked. I'm just going to put this out there. You say you, you say Vinaya, but Linata. Come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. Linata. Tomato, Underappreciated Linata. Um, my favorite characters on the good guy side was Sharla. And on the bad guy side was Dixon. Um, and it sucks that I have to have Dixon as my favorite bad guy because I liked him a lot more as a good guy. When he turns heel, I just his likability goes down the, the, the tubes. You know, it's funny because that's how the main party felt about it, too. Mm. Yeah, how who felt about it? Yeah. The main, the main party. Oh, but yeah. but uh, but like, bad guy how... Dixon at least gets a Hulk form, so I mean that's kind of a plus. They're like, how dare you? But I think at the end of Dixon's life, like he wanted them to go away so they didn't see him die alone. Like there was still some humanity in there. Yeah, and like, ah, uh, I I know Robin and I could probably talk for this about hours because we have talked for hours about this, but. I, and we do have a Dixon episode. <laughs> I talked for hours about Dixon. You've already got it. So you've already got it covered, but then I'll just basically touch on my opinions. Yeah, no, I wasn't yeah. crazy about his send off or like even at the end, his like motivations. Like I feel like his what? that was his, the weakest part of his character was that was that like his reasoning for turning heel is never really all that clear. He seems to be I want to say he seems reluctant, but he doesn't. I want to say he seems devoted to Zanza, but he doesn't. It's, it's just there's so much that you could probably say about Dixon. And I want I, I want them to go back and rewrite it. <laughs> I want to rewrite, damn it. Uh, it wasn't well, once I finished like, working like, on all of these gifts, arcs uh... ending is just not satisfying to me. But yeah. That that's that that's where I, I I'll 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 stop talking about that. But and, and that, since uh, Dixon's a disciple, the other disciple I actually liked was Alvis. Like I couldn't quite figure out where he was coming from until like the very end, where he said he was a computer, and I'm like, oh my god, I get it, I understand, and I was very excited. Beep beep boop bop boop beep. Alvin, uh, Alvis, what, what was his name? Alvis. Alvis okay. was, really, was a really cool character. Like from the moment they introduced him, I was like, I was getting like, oh wow, I'm getting like he gave he gave the game kind of like these like almost Final Fantasy vibes, but I really liked the the like the the mystery surrounding that character, and uh if I'm totally honest, I think the him the whole him being a computer thing, I wasn't crazy about that, but it made sense. It did make sense. I just I wasn't crazy about it. I, I, it made sense to me because I played the games in reverse. Yeah, you will get a different experience yeah. if you play it in reverse. Okay. Nick, did you like characters? Nick. Nick? Muted? Nick. Muted. Nick! All right, never mind. Nick doesn't like characters anymore. Tyler, did you like characters? I liked characters. 
Good to know. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, like, I really like Riki. Um, I, I mean, I'm usually not a, a huge mascot character fan, but, uh, I, I just kind of liked him and his interactions with, like, Melia and Shulk and how he's kind of, like, and also Don Ban and, um, but also I liked, uh, yeah, Melia a lot more, um, like those, yeah, those are like my two favorite characters, um, cause Melia is such a tragic character, but yeah, we talked more about her in our Melia episode and, and I also liked Alvis, but, um, though he just reminds me of a, a slightly, uh, meaner version of Chaos from Xenosaga. <laughs> He is mean chaos. He is mean chaos. <laughs> He's sassy chaos. Sassy chaos. Very and much so. In that, sassy that's... chaos. Sassy chaos is the alternate form of happy chaos. Favorite guilty gear character, sassy chaos. No, okay. Look, it's hard to not make the guilty gear reference after I already brought it up. I know. Well, I was thinking it too was the funny thing. Alright, Nick, do you want to go on? Oh, Nick, you're here. Oh, I thought you said I didn't like characters. That's because you weren't responding. So. I was muted. Anyway. Well, unmuted yourself. Uh, look in chat, you'll know why. Anyway, uh, favorite characters. I really like Dunbar. You're supposed to warn us. You could have just talked for another 20 minutes for me. No, I'm kidding. We did talk! <laughs> Not on anyway, podcast. this is A-plus anyway, content. Yeah, this is. Uh, yeah, I really like Dunban a lot. Um, for a lot, I don't know. He's just... There was a lot of reasons that I like Dunban. I, I was kind of like the mentor character in a lot of ways anyway. Like, And he was just like... He had a lot of good quotes that uh, really spoke to me, I guess. Uh, I always like... Um, I guess, you know, I'm trying to think on which were my favorite. Because like I feel like this is a very well-rounded well cast in a lot of ways. And I, I could say that about a lot of these games. Um, and normally I would go more for, like, the goofier character, like Ryan, but I kind of prefer Dunban as far as, like, the, uh, like, all of this goes. Just something about the way he carried himself, and especially, like, because at the start he goes from being, like, kind of, you know, cocky and, and such when he has the Monado to just, like, within a year's time is just, like, he's the wise old mentor now. Because he gave up drinking. Yeah, exactly. He never gave up smoking, though. He never smoked. What are you talking about? <laughs> okay. But yeah, um, I don't know. Out uh, out of out of them, I liked them. I liked uh, I like Melly a lot. Actually, as far as like playable characters go, my two favorites to play as were Sharla and Melia. And I do really like uh, Sharla quite a bit. I do think that there were some places where I felt like. I would have preferred they had written some things about her a tiny bit better, but that's yeah. not like it's not like too bad. Um, I I, re- I still really like her as a character. I think that uh, yeah, I think Melly is like way up there for me, honestly. Too, they're they're definitely some faves. Bad guys. Um, I do, and I, I want to say I, I do really like Shulk. Um, I I know it's kind of like split there. There seems to be people that like either really identify with him or like find him hard to identify with because he does, um, 
he is like a very different kind of protagonist in some ways the way he like deals with his anxieties and some people relate to that or don't and i'm kind of in the middle on it i feel like anyway um bad guys favorite bad guys you know it's kind of hard not to say dixon in a lot of ways like he's got a lot he's got he feels like he's got a lot more depth than quite a few of them um just like by nature Mm -hmm. of who he is i'm trying to think of uh oh you know what i i mum car's a lot of fun Mum car is great mum car would have been my pick for favorite villain yeah, but we weren't gonna ask you. He, he's so just, don't wait no, your turn. No, he's, he's got like that grade A slime quality, you know. Like he I, I look how scummy he is. Slime ball. Oh yeah, that's great. Um, never shut up. Him and Sword. yeah, but like I think like the two complex villains are are Eggle and um and Dixon. If you can even call Eggle a villain, you know. He was doing it for. Yeah the wrong reasons but he truly believed that he needed to you know avenge his peoples yeah yeah everyone I, else I really must like die because my people have suffered yeah but as far as like the best um the as far as like the uh just the best pure selfish like kind of villain um i would definitely say mumkar is like really really high quality in that category he definitely yeah. gets like the the ninja turtles crony villain thing down or something almost you know anyway i think that's all i got on that now justin would you like to talk about mumkar yeah nick pretty much summed up for me um he's just fun I don't know, like, he leaves a really strong first impression when you see him. He's, like, he gives all kind of, like, a, a menacing vibe. Mm-hmm. And, I don't know, I just okay. like the way he's just out to mess with Shulk. Yeah. His motivation is just fucked on bad. Yeah. When, I would say Zord leaves a pretty strong five-minute impression, yes, but he's yeah. not as good as Mumkar, in my opinion, on that stuff. And one thing that boggled me about the game is uh, when they had the face mech on is um, like, how how did they take their intestines out and still survive on water? And, and I don't understand this. I think it's sort of implied through that that Ether? moms are no, not perfectly analogous to humans. I know, but as a biology standpoint i'm like i this doesn't make sense to me but neither does fucking zanza's eight chambered heart yeah that also did not make much sense but that's okay i know it's a you know a sci-fi game kind of well it it runs on whatever the the zanza world logic is which is kind of there there's always this special little um, thing that you can do is just like, oh, you want to explain anything? Well, that's covered by ether. Ether, everything's made up of ether. It just does this. It just does whatever we need it to because it's, you know. Because it, it's ether. Yeah, because it's ether. It's lifeblood. It works. Nano machines. <laughs> Nano machines, son! <laughs> dang it, dang it, dang it, dang it. Uh, Thank you. Sorry. That wasn't what I was danging it. <laughs> I um I, I spoke why I like Dixon as my favorite uh 
villain, but Char I, I said Charlo was my favorite good guy, right? Maybe yeah, I don't know. Pretty sure I did. Yeah. I like Charla because one, she is the 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 party's healer and um she came in she came in clutch quite a bit. Thank your healers. Thank your healers. Get a healer. Um second, uh in my in my opinion and this is a shallow reason I know, but in my opinion she is the prettiest m member of the party. Um and uh, three, I really kind of, like, liked the whole big sis thing she had going on with Shulk and Melia and everyone else. And you could see the Rhine Sharla ship coming from a mile away, but, like, the dynamic between Sharla and Rhine um, I, yeah, and I, was very enjoyable. I like, she enhanced Rhine a lot and made... and. Ryan himself is a great character with like, like, like he, he's always like doing the best he can as like, a, as like supporting the main character role. Um, and I just really enjoyed their dynamic. My only criticism of Charlotte's story is, is like where she, she says that Ryan reminds her of Gatto when Gatto, from what at least from what we see of him, is nothing like Ryan. He seems pretty mm -hmm. capable, and then like Ryan is almost like, "Oh, I'll have to take care of you." <laughs> Even well, though, I... though I will say, Ryan is kind of like older brother to Shulk, so I kind of see it in some ways. But... I mean, we only did see bits and pieces of Gatto's. Um... But none of them gave us Ryan vibes. No, yeah, they nothing didn't. of it. He gave me closer to, like, some... I, I don't even know. Like, he seemed very, like, very strict and capable. Lieutenant and Surge. Not at all, like, un underdog, yeah. Like, maybe if she said that Dunban reminded her? Like, like okay, I could see that. I see... I, I, the only reason I, I, I entertain it is because from what we see of Gatto, that's a thing, but she knows Gatto... From well beyond, sorry, yeah. well before the story starts, and we meet yeah, her. But it's still bad. So it's though, entirely like. possible that what at one point Gatto could have been kind of like Ryan, but what we see, the Gatto that we see, is nothing like Ryan. Well, at least Gatto has a good sense of humor because Jade Face has an attack called Blow Jaggy, <laughs> <laughs> which I, did, I will uh... bring up again. <laughs> I did enjoy Charla's story as a whole, though, like how she's um, protecting her colony. She lost Godot. They find him. And then, like, I, I kind of like that, that they did some of that. But, yeah. It, yeah. I like the little hat single corner. I did like the little hat. Uh, see, I know you want to cut off and, like, pretty soon should we wrap up? Yeah, uh, just um, I really don't have much to say about the characters. You already know my girl's Melia, lover. Um, in Definitive Edition, I will say that I've grown to like Ryan a lot more. So that's kind of nice. And yeah, I really don't have much in, else to say about the characters. Who's your favorite villain, like Justin? Ryan I need more? to know. I already said it was Mumcar. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You did. I'm sorry. I was listening. I promise. No, I was just saying that, like, um, I didn't think too much of Ryan when I first played it, but then playing Definitive Edition, I've grown to appreciate Ryan a lot more. Yeah, 
Okay. He's really good at pressing buttons you shouldn't press to. That's great. He's like that younger brother that likes to like do jokes and think he's better than he really is. I also really didn't like Ricky at first, and Ricky grew on me like a lot. I really like Ricky at the end. Mm-hmm. Tyler, uh, before we wrap up, though, I'm curious. Yes. Who are your favorite characters? Uh, oh, this is awkward. I already said my favorite characters. You did? Yeah, I'm the only one who hasn't said anything. Yeah, Robin, What are who are your favorite characters? <laughs> uh, Dunban. And Dunban? <laughs> Just Dunban. Also Dunban? <laughs> I like Dunban. I'm a Dunban man. I'm a Dunban fan. I'm a Dunban stan. What do you want from me? So and listen you to that saying... Dunban episode. Yeah, you're saying you like Dunban? Yeah, why? Okay, just just curious. Uh, also, you know, uh, Charlotte's good. Um, nobody has talked about how Larithia has tons of character. <laughs> and really clear motivation, and I think that's a shame. We should probably talk about that. And now you get to figure out which one of these things is a lie. Here, I, I do like we that. Or, I'm pretty sure we podcast. all know which of those is a lie. Yeah, I, I like Dunbar. All right. Does, does anyone have any like any finishing uh, like statements about the Blade 10th anniversary? It's to ten more. Let's do yeah, more. it's a more. it is an anniversary very much worth celebrating because this game truly is something special, and uh, the series obviously has more entries in it, and I think it's going to continue to be a series. That is truly something remarkable and unique. And I'm very excited to play the second and the third game eventually when it comes out. I have some catching up to do, but I'm, I'm going to be making I'd, great strides as soon as I put Elden Ring down. I'd be okay for more uh, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles merch. Uh, my desktop oh, yeah, nice. is has Shulk on it, but I would be okay for more merch. Yes? Oh yeah, Melia actually... comes out this summer, doesn't she? think so yes allegedly allegedly yes shut up i actually do have a thing to say before we wrap up yes um i think i think like a lot of fans will dismiss xenoblade because like oh it's not as deep as xenosaga Mm -hmm. xenosaga commercially was not a success so after that like it really felt like oh shit we're never getting another xeno game Mm-hmm. And then when Xenoblade came out, it was like, oh, fuck, they made another one. And when you finished it, you're like, I finished a game. This game was complete. Jesus. This was not a fragmented piece. This was not somebody going, oh, shit, I ran out of time or money. This was a complete game. Mm-hmm. And I don't think enough of the new fans really appreciate how wonderful of a feeling that was. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that puts yeah. it above the saga games for me, because I like I like that Xenoblade feels like a complete story it's like okay yeah. they actually told what they want to told with this mm-hmm. yes and like i like I, I love all the xeno games don't get me wrong it's just i feel like it gets underrated because it's like oh it's not as complicated i'm like but you don't understand this is a thing i can I mean, show somebody honestly, and get them interested i would even argue that blade is pretty pretty deep it's just that like it's not deep in the ways that people want it to be deep i think is a problem yeah, I still think there's a lot you could talk about, but that's that's yeah. my piece. I really, 
I feel like a lot of new fans just they didn't have the gap where they felt that there was not going to be another Xeno uh, game. Yes. And therefore they can't really I mean appreciate yeah, how nice it was when it happened. The closest they have to that is Xenoblade X, but Yes. I mean they can all feel we can all mutually feel pain for that one. Uh-huh. As as like someone who came in on the first Xenoblade, I feel like I I appreciated those games going back to them more mm-hmm. for like I because I, I could see the progression, you know? Because I played Xenogears and then Z- the Xenosaga games after I played uh-huh. Blade One and Two and well and, and X, you know. So I was like, I definitely, I don't know, I like all of them, but I feel yeah, like I, maybe good. I had like a much deeper appreciation for them because of Xenoblade 1 coming off of that mm-hmm. and seeing just like the path they went down to and, get this far. And if you're like me and played only the second one, please play the first one. You will not be disappointed. No, they're both good mm-hmm. games. They are all good games. Yes. Honestly, I'm just glad that Blade One has held up after all these years. When Definitive Edition was coming out, I was like very worried about that. Yeah, yeah, I'm really glad it is too. So yeah, hopefully this continues to be a game people talk about years down the line, mm-hmm. which I think it will be. Yes. Yeah. Uh, See you at the twenty year, uh, the twentieth anniversary. Yeah. No, 15, <laughs> then. Fifteen and then twenty. Well then, hopefully, um, I'm setting we'll get... the bar high. I'm I'm letting people know that we're gonna do a 20th anniversary. Okay. <laughs> now we gotta do it. Well, hopefully, uh, we'll okay. get the uh, Xenogears <laughs> treatment and have a, a Xenoblade concert one of these days. Yeah, that'll be amazing. Oh, uh, actually, th- there is a Xenoblade concert that's being a joint. It's a joint Xenoblade Undertale concert, but it's in Japan. What? And I saw that and I was like, I need to share this with Anthony. What? I'm like, why? So he can be mad? Wait, why would I yeah. be mad? That sounds amazing. Yeah, it's in Japan. Oh, well, I mean... That, that's the, the part. Are, are there videos? I don't know. Uh, I, I'll, I will go find the tweet and, and show y'all's, but... Okay. What? That, that's an All right. well, combination. We can... You said Xenoblade and Undertale? Yeah. Well, I do love both of those things. Yeah, that's why I was like, oh man, I gotta tell Ant. And then I was like... Ant! Ant! Gotta go <laughs> Why would they ever pair two RPGs together in a concert? Nah, it's just, who would do that? It's, two it's, two it's games, just, like of all the RPGs to to do in a concert to to mix those two is interesting choice. Here it is. But anyway, I yeah, that's, that is kind of surprising. Yeah. All right, let's wrap anyway. this episode up. Um. All right, so we'll just go around, and if there's anything you want to plug or share, or anything you're playing. Anything like that, just go ahead. Uh, let's start with you, Justin. Kirby Thon. That yes. starts this weekend, um, April 2nd. Which would be last weekend. Yes, by the time this episode comes out. And you can catch that <laughs> but it's for the Retro Roulette. Yeah, it's for the full month of April, right? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. We're going to enjoy the shit out of that. That's going to be so much fun. Um, Kirby... Well, uh, speaking of that, Ant, you want to kind of go and if if there's anything besides the Kirby-thon or uh, you want to talk I about? Will, I will shamelessly plug Retro Roulette. Um, it is yeah. a uh, YouTube slash Twitch gaming show where we 
stream and we play games like every other YouTube channel. <laughs> and, um, we, you know, we, we just, we have a good time. It's, it's, it's basically just video games with friends. You, you mm-hmm. come to watch, you're basically sitting down in the living room while we, you know, bullshit and just have a good time playing video games and talk. And uh, we beat the same jokes to, you know, the joke of the week. We beat that to death like, you know, 50 times. It's good stuff. We have fun with it. Um, hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I would hope that you'd like to come and check us out. We're over at youtube.com slash retro roulette or twitch.tv slash retro underscore underscore roulette. And um, I will. Yeah, check us out there. And uh, as far as uh, Xenochat goes, um, I can't thank you all enough for having me here. This was a fantastic first episode, and I'm looking forward to being able to talk about more as I play more of the games. Yeah. Yay. Awesome. Um, Raising more Xenoblade fans. Well, (laughs) since you just spoke, Nick, how about you? (laughs) Like how it sounds like a punishment. No, but, <laughs> oh no! I was referencing our other episode. Spotlight. Raising a Zeno fan. Um, I uh, you know, I, I'm playing some games. I'm uh, I guess I can announce this now. I'm gonna be part of that Kirby Marathon, um, on my Twitch channel later, which I don't stream on very much lately. But I'm gonna get back into that soon. Uh, it's Radio Tanuki. Is the is the name of the Twitch channel, but I will be streaming Kirby Mass Attack on what was the day? It was like the nineteenth or something of April. Let me check. I don't know why that went off. <laughs> yeah, I know. I I, I know it's kind of weird that I'm asking you guys this when we just literally recorded our April Fools up to so yep. like a week ago and asked you. The it was same the nineteenth. Oh, April 19th? Okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah, it was the 19th. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. No, you're fine. Um, like I was about... mainly hoping that it didn't pick up that background noise that popped up there for a second, but anyway. It might have, but I can... I'll, I'll do something. <laughs> I hope that it hasn't been picking up my embroidery noises. Those are squeaky. I yeah. don't think so, but since you spoke, Robin, what are oh, you doing? No! What are you doing? I'm, I'm embroidering <laughs> right now by... That's what I just said. I just told you I was embroidering. Okay. It's not news. Okay. It's it's news to me. Um. Uh. Since last week, oh man, the the events and plans I have made. I own a mansion now. <laughs> I have my own TV series. I have thirty dogs. All of them are named Bronchitis. <laughs> I don't know. No, not, not, nothing's changed. Oh, okay. Nothing's happening. Wow, I'm doing that nothing. that was a bit out of nowhere. <laughs> All of my dogs? No, the whole the whole bit was just like, dang, that was pretty good on the fly. That was really good on the fly. Thank you. No, I've been planning it this whole time. Sorry, oh, I'm lying. Compulsively lying. I am gaslighting you. It was on the fly. <laughs> um. Okay. How about you, B? <laughs> Um, I'm going to help a fellow out and also plug Retro Roulette, even though I have no idea what it is, but I'm plugging it. Eh. <laughs> um, I have actually picked up Kirby and plugged it in, and I find it's a hilarious um, game. And I'm just going to say that car Kirby reminds me of a condom on a car. So there we go. Thank you, B. Your check is in the mail. 
A carndom. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you, B. Now we have to censor the episode. <laughs> oh yes, because I censor yeah. these. Christian um, podcast. My good Christian podcast. Oh, <laughs> please, please listen to our religion episodes. Uh, <laughs> um, and yeah, I there's I'm not doing anything different than the last time. Still playing Rune Factory Five and Disco Elysium. To, and uh, and uh, oh, I uh, also started uh, Super Robot Wars Thirty. So there's that. Oh, cool. Yeah. Very nice. Oh, yeah, I guess I forgot to mention that I beat Katamari the other day. That was fun. Good job. Oh, nice. Yeah, like, I had played it a few times before, but I never got to play it back in the day. So, like, Reroll mm-hmm. was actually, like, my first time actually really getting to play it. And back when I got it, I was, like, really busy. So, I didn't originally, like, finish it, but I finished it just the other day because I had restarted the game, even though it wasn't that far from the end the last time. And uh just like, yeah. Yeah, re- I want to play more. <laughs> yeah, reroll was the first time I beat it because I I did have I do have it on PlayStation Two, but uh, I was playing it on my PS3 back in the day, and then the PS3 died, and I was like lost my progress. Ah, uh, that stinks. But it was it was not, nice finally beating it on the Switch. It's nice. It's not even yeah. like a super long game, but it's, it's got no. so much replayability that I would just go back to levels over and over again and be like. Yeah, Ugh. let's just do this one again. And that soundtrack. That soundtrack. Oh my god. It's one of the best. Okay. Um, thank you guys for joining us tonight. Um, both to the Thank you for having us. Yeah. It's been fun. Thank you. And then yeah, thank you, Justin, for you put a lot of this episode together. So yes. I know how much you, this Justin. means you got it. to you. So and, uh, thank you for sharing too. this. Yeah, I hope I can kick this in time for Kirby Thong. Oh, you're going to kick it. You're going <laughs> to kick it like a champ. Eat mm. more pe- bell peppers. Uh, get your vitamin Ds. <laughs> bell peppers. Yes. That's C. Yes. C. But, Eat them anyway. <laughs> but yes, thank you. And um, just uh, not certain what our next episodes will be about, but always stay tuned to our Twitter, Xenochat Podcast. Or... Oh, we have to do the Mother's Day one soon-ish. Ah, oh, crap. By ish, I mean May. That's oh, May. Oh, We're good. Oh, We're good. That's... that's a problem for future us. Yes. Well, you said we weren't sure what episodes. I thought I'd tell you. Oh, well, thank you. But, um, yeah, always right. uh, check out our Twitter, Xenochat Podcast. We'll put, from time to time, we'll put polls, and whichever wins the poll will usually be an episode we'll record at some point. Um, and if you have any, want to email us anything, it's sandwichatpodcast at gmail.com. Like, comment, and subscribe <clears throat> if you want. Sorry, Wait that was on. gross. Wait I always feel dirty after I say that, that right? I've only yeah, said it like twice on the podcast because it's like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. We're doing this for fun, so we don't really, I don't really care if we get. Smash that button. Make sure to ring that bell, and by that I mean go to Taco Bell while listening to the podcast. Yeah, but I mean, if you ever have any like (laughs) suggestions or how we can improve, or it's like, hey, you guys lied in that one episode, just just reach out to us. We'll and we'll acknowledge it. Uh, Check out our sister Twitter of well, it it was Xeno Underground. Now it's Godsip.net. Ah, yes. 
Be sure to ratio us on Twitter. Be sure to ratio us on please Twitter. Please, no. <laughs> don't do that, please. Please, no. All right. I, I, I think this episode should die now. Um, okay. Okay, no. That was, a, that was a harsh way to end that. But anyway, thank you, everyone, and have a good night. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.